love Michigan sports. Red Wings, Lions, Tigers, Pistons, Michigan, Michigan State, and the list goes on. And you love beer. Love beer. Who doesn't? What if we mixed the two together? My sports. We'll talk everything Michigan sports like only we do, and then we'll down our fair share of beer from a local brewery. Grading the beer throughout the episode, so pop a cold one on your end, and we'll get busy on ours. This is the state of my sports. That's right, this is State of My Sports, and this is episode 183, recording live on November 29th, 2022. Michigan goes into OSU and gets the massive win that puts them in the playoff and a 12-0 regular season. Uh, I guess not really in the playoff yet, but time will tell. Uh, the Detroit Lions we'll lost see. to the Bills on Thanksgiving, but looked good again. And then we also put a bow on the Spartans' disappointing bowlless season, maybe? We'll see. Still, still have some some work to do, I guess. We'll see. Um, we will make our picks against the spread in our betting hero segment. Of course, we will drink and review some Michigan Craft Ciders tonight. Um, if you are joining us live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, or Twitch, let us know what you're drinking and let us know your opinion on all of our topics. We already got a comment in there. Gold Blue from Carrie. Shout out to Carrie. Also want to know what she's yeah. drinking tonight. Um, also, we're, we're drinking Blake's Hard Cider. I t- try to tag them. I don't know if I do that right, but... Hopefully they, they get that that we're doing this tonight. That's that's kind of the goal. Uh, before we jump in, I did want to give a quick shout-out to our sponsors that help keep this thing rolling and free for our listeners. The Hops Brewing Company and Cafe is the official brewery of State of My Sports, and bettinghero.com helps us and you get the best promotions available in the sports betting world. I'm Sam Walthart. With me today, we got John Dornboss. You got to say something. Off a little break, right? Off a little break. Yeah, back, right? You were, you were gone last week, two weeks. Well, last week you were gone. Just last week. Last week. Yeah, I got stuck at work late. And then Ryan Waltart is back. Just two weeks in a row for you? Again, yeah, I'm breaking records. Two weeks in a row. I love it. Micah is out due to an injury, but uh, we're going to we're gonna get through this together. Wait, hold oh. on a second. He actually did hurt himself. He hurt himself, and that's the reason he's not here? He's he's in bed. From This is what I heard. This is from him, so I don't know how true it is. Okay. Carrie's on, on the... On the chat, so she'll she'll know for sure. But I've heard that he has some back issues going on that he's trying to to deal with. So oh, geez, take care yeah. of yourself, man. Yeah, yep. Uh, Carrie's calling me out for my Michigan gear, lack of. This is my as close as I get. It's a red hoodie. I'm red. It's a blue blue hoodie. <laughs> it's definitely not red. <laughs> it's a blue you have hoodie. Red, red, red undershirt. Red shirt. Yeah. So there we go. Well, we were we both wore Ohio State colors. Yes, last week's episode. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, you did. I thought you were wearing you were wearing a red polo, weren't you? Or oh like yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Or like right. a shirt. He's yeah, got, you're right. He's got the gray hat too. You know. Yeah. Looking like hat. a looking Jeez. like a Buckeye helmet out there. Come on yeah. now, I'm fully blue right here. Love it, love it, man. What a game that was! I cannot wait to talk about that game. This that, is good. That, yeah, it's gonna be really fun to talk. Yeah, about Yeah, I feel that. like we could probably spend the whole episode just talking about that game. Yeah, I think we're gonna limit the Spartans talk. Um Lions let's, talk will be decent. Let's agree to just fly through Sparty because I actually, I'll be honest, I don't even know what, what happened. I'm basically just going to read it and then we'll say how disappointing a season was okay, that and we'll call like it. it. But we're going to do it at the end. Five. We're not going to bore people with state, state talk at the beginning. Five minutes. Check out. Five minute max. Yeah, five minutes at the very, very max. But I do want to 
Um, next week, when we know for sure if they're in a bowl or not, we're going to put a bow on like the season. Maybe revisit some of the stuff that we saw that we talked about. That's kind of what I want to start doing. If that's yeah. cool with you guys. So. That sounds good to me. Uh, hope Mike is actually feeling better. It sounds like he's only been upstairs once today, and it's Dang. not very good. So. Sounds like a nice day, though. <laughs> Just stay, stay in bed, relax. Not, not the worst thing ever. No, I, I heard he's having a hard time with his his back. So, um, let's get into what we're drinking. I told him to just drink, and then it would loosen things up. But I don't know if he did or not. Whiskey, whiskey. Yeah, not beer. Whiskey. Whiskey would do it. It's more, more effective. We are also not drinking beer today. We are drinking. Um, where's the camera? There's the camera that I'm at right there. We are drinking celebration mode. It is Blake's hard cider from Blake's hard cider co. So it's a uh, variety pack. So what they have is our grand, the grand if you put cherry. It down, if you put it down just a little bit, and you can see your face too. Oh, I didn't think people wanted to see my face, but that looks, it looks a lot better. It's better. You know, um, they have the the three grand cherry. They have the mule de pomme. That will be interesting. They have peach party, which is uh, peach and blackberry, and then the American apple, which is an imperial hard or cider. Um, so we we actually haven't done a variety pack in a long time. So just a reminder of how we like to do things is we will we'll sip on them, um, tell you what we think. We'll just do kind of rapid fire grades, you know. That's that's kind of how we um, like to do it. And then the the whole variety pack gets a, a final grade at the end. I always like to go left to right. So like the box starts out with the uh, grand cherry. So I'll tell you guys what's in that one. Um, it has Michigan cherries, oranges, apples, and oak on a marvelous scale. So that's that's a great description. Um, the, the one thing that I was really surprised of with these Blake's hard si- ciders. Do you know, do you know where Blake's is exactly? Yeah, I was just trying to figure that out. I feel like I looked it up and I completely forgot already. Um, I know it's in Michigan. I was very. Uh, that's obviously very important for this podcast. It has to be a, a Michigan made. Try to find that while I, while I keep explaining this. But this is eight point five percent alcohol by volume. I don't think we can all drink one of these ourselves. We're gonna kind of just sip on them and. Give them grades, rapid fire throughout the episode here, um, but that was I got nothing. Number one, is I'll, it, I'll try to look it up though. Through uh, is it in Armada, Michigan? Does that sound right? That's what it says on the can, but I don't know if that's saying something different. Um, <laughs> the next one here, very. This one looks pretty interesting. So it's Mule de Pommy, Pommy. Would you say palm? Palm? Probably just palm, right? Yeah, like for a pomegranate. For pomegranate. Yeah. Pomegranate. Yeah. So yeah, it's a uh, pomegranate. Ginger and lime hard cider. Ooh, so they have a nice, nice little description here. I'm not going to read this description because you guys know how. <laughs> Ryan, you should read it. John, you have a great reading voice. You you read that one for yeah. Take it so away. So where it says like the, you see what I'm saying there? The pommy. Dim the lights. Yeah, right yeah, yeah, yeah. Read that to everybody. All right, my best uh, Dan Patrick voice. <laughs> Dim the lights. Pour over ice and set the moon for the hard cider twist on a fruited mule. Juicy pomegranate, bold lime, and a kick of ginger make mule de palm mule desired. Ooh, well done. Copper wow. copper mug not included. Oh, shoot. I should have got a copper mugs out of here out uh, for this. I mean, I might I just bet be, you it's, I bet you it's going to be good. I might be speaking for myself, but I'm in the mood at this point. Yeah. Right. yeah. Signature cocktail. Stir with one ounce of vodka and Ooh. pour over crushed ice. Good thing it came with more than one in the variety pack so we can try those. This is saying pop the top. And pour over ice cubes, Sam. Yeah. We got any so ice cubes? So I'm going to have to go get some ice cubes, too, maybe, when we go to get that one? Maybe I'm take, more than happy to do it, as long we, as I don't miss any Michigan talk on it. Well, I mean, you could probably take a break. We'll be on that topic for a little <laughs> That's while. That's a good point. Yeah, just two um, hours. Then, Ryan, explain what this one is right here. <clears throat> this, uh, what is it, Peach Party? 
Peach Party. Peach Party from our backyard since 1946. Probably not the right ride. Uh, it's 6.5 percenter. It has it's a sweet peach and bold blackberry cider with a story. So if, if you go to their website, which is Black Hard, or Blake's Hard Cider. Blockheadshardcider.com. <laughs> uh, then it gives you a story with each one of these, maybe. I don't know. We'll find out. I'm going to go on this while we're uh, talking about Michigan. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be not distracted <laughs> for that. Yeah. And then, what's it, what were you going to say? Quick note on Blake's. They were at the International Wine Beer and Food Festival. Oh, really? Yeah, I was there. Stopped in their line a couple of times. It was nice. a good change of pace. Yeah. Did you mention the podcast and say, hey, we should do a Man, there were a lot of uh, familiar names and faces down there on the board. Yeah. And ran into a ex, well, not ex, but a past uh, co-host. Oof. Trav? It, Would that be Trav? No, Zach Smith. Zach Smith? Oh, he's yeah, been on an from, episode? From a second, yeah, second yeah. string leather company. Yeah, I ran yeah. into him. Nice. And and Joe, right, Joe, at yeah. the end. Um, kind of as we were making our way out of there. But nice. we're there for a few hours. And yeah, quite a few breweries from the area. It was a great time. It was yeah. good to see uh, some of these smaller outfits out there with a the booth. My um, sisters went to that on Friday. Okay, we so, were there on Saturday. Yeah. yeah. I've never been. I kind of want to go. It's a good just time. just never seems to work out for my schedule. Yeah. Yeah, I went straight to Coopersville Brewing. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, was, uh, what was... Uh, Jeremy? Jeremy. No. Was he there? He his, there? Uh, is it his dad or his uncle? Oh, yeah. The Sandals guy? The guy that's in the band, probably? Maybe. Yeah. A little bit older. Um, yeah. But yeah, I walked up and, you know, you get a glass at the door and walked around for a while and, like, some people in the group went and got, like, a... Uh, what what do they call that? Like a coffee beer, a cold brew. Oh a, yeah, a, okay. A, a, a beer brew, nitro, something like that. Yeah. Not my cup of tea. I don't like the dark it's beers cup per se. Cup. Yeah, I save that for the morning hours after I had a couple beers the night before. The um, tea, the tea, or the coffee. The coffee. Oh god. Um, but then yeah, we uh, walked around for a little while, and then I was like, man, I swear I saw on their Instagram that they were down here. So found the Coopersville Brewing uh, table tent. And walked up, and the lady that was pouring the beer, she was like, oh, your glass is really, really clean. You don't need me to rinse it. And I was like, nope, first pour. And she was like, you're the first person that's come up here to get their first pour from our, our stand, you know? And like, nice. had this little, like, emotional period there for a minute. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> first oh, well, I've, I've been there for a, a podcast uh, broadcast before. And uh, so I got a lot of family in the Coopersville area. And that's when the other gentleman that was there – I'm. I'm pretty sure it's Jeremy's dad or uncle. One, yeah, of, think, one of the two okay. that are part of like the ownership group. Yep. Um, he was just like, he was like, man, well, thanks for, you know, thanks for stopping by. So I had to make sure to go over there a couple more times throughout the night. And then they don't scan you for tokens sometimes. So oh, that, cool. that was a good part. I got more beverages than I paid for. It's a good way to do it. On the night. But yeah, it was a good time. Nice. That's awesome. And then um, the last, last one. one. Yeah. What's the last one there? American Apple Imperial Hard Cider 8%. So, Ooh. are we working our way up? I so I always go left to right on the box. Okay, that's, so that's we're kind of the way. I, so we're gonna end with that one. Yeah, but we're not gonna all drink one, one each. No, because that would oh, be. Oh, that'd I be think a, they're all like. Yeah, I think a, the lowest one is six point <laughs> five. Wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, that's a rough uh, start to the rest of this week. <laughs> yeah, um, that sure. we have to look ahead to. And but, it's a long week too, right? Yeah, we have a full week of work. Well, other than some people that might be sitting next to me. I right? I am actually <laughs> I have things I have to get done before tomorrow. Yeah, I'm a week off. I still, really? I'm still, yeah, roped in the stuff. I was on a meeting earlier. Yeah. You just really want to talk Michigan. I just really want to talk Michigan, <laughs> and then, and then, yeah, see where the night takes us. Yeah, for sure. Pretty simple. It's just an apple one. Well, 
I'm read, sure it's maybe be great. maybe read the description later. It's a long paragraph there. For <laughs> yeah, an apple cider. So, so shout out to Blake's Hard Cider. We're we're excited to try this, and and we'll see how it goes. But uh, before we jump into episode 183, I want to remind everyone that Hops Brewing Company and Cafe is currently closed, but working through it. I, that's all I got for you. It's I mean, work, this they're is working through something. <laughs> working through some staffing stuff. They're gonna we're, try to get this thing figured. This is going on way longer than I ever thought it would. Working through their closure. Yeah, that's pretty much what we're at. <laughs> I, I saw I some cars in the parking lot the other day. When I, I drove actually by. did too, and so, I almost stopped. But. Yeah, I don't know. Are they running like a little back alley thing? <laughs> I, don't or, know. You know? I yep. mean, we're gonna be there. It's Sam's yeah. car. <laughs> yeah. Well, you guys are Mug Club members, so you should be able to just walk in yeah. around many times, right? right? That's a good point. If you paid for a Mug Club, you, yeah. you're kind of getting the raw end of the deal here. Um, but uh, we'll keep you guys in the loop, see what's going on. Hopefully, they can open their doors again here quickly. Um, we'll be there in two weeks <laughs> because that's just what we do. It's part of the agreement. So. Until they tell us no or change the locks. We'll be there. Yeah, that's just the way it's going to work. So um, I'm going to do a bumper. So I don't know why I'm telling you that. Drinking craft beer, having fun, and talking sports in the state of Michigan. You're listening to State of My Sports. I forgot to. Did you guys want to sip on one of these? Yeah. I think I, you I forgot to play the Michigan fight song I, to start oh, this segment. Shoot. I, sh- I meant to get that done, and I just I completely forgot. They played it last night at, at Bowling League. Do they really? As, like, the first game was starting to get underway, and it did tick off a lot of uh, Spartan fans that were in the house. But, man, <laughs> it felt it felt really dang good. Hey, you know what? They've earned it. Yeah. 12-0, like they – I mean, after that game, too, second year in a row. I, well, we got to get into it, I guess. Yeah. But, so I mean, they, me, again, they just earned it. Yeah, let me get into my, my read here, and then we can talk about this game. Uh Eleven and Michigan went into eleven and OSU and won forty five twenty three. I spoiled it. Sorry. Thanks to a twenty eight to three second half, uh, dominated by three long touchdowns in an almost eight minute touchdown drive in the fourth quarter, uh, to put a stranglehold on the Buckeyes. OSU really dominated the first quarter and led ten to three after having the ball for twenty two plays to Michigan's ten and having the ball for over nine minutes to Michigan's five, um, and it really felt like. Uh, nothing was really going right for Michigan until the third. Um, sorry, until the third and nine, uh, 69 yard touchdown pass from JJ to Cornelius Johnson to tie the game at 10. Uh, Michigan held OSU's or OSU to a field goal on the next drive, and then JJ to Johnson struck again on the first play for a 75 yard touchdown. Um, on the very first play of the drive, which is just an incredible way to start, obviously, or answer, I should say. OSU did answer with a touchdown to make it 20-17 to at halftime, but Michigan found life in the second in the second quarter, and that's really, really how things um, kind of started to, to, you know, take shape. Um, they stuck to the game plan in the second half and outscored OSU 27-3 to in the second half in the 22-point win as a 9-point underdog. Uh, J.J., 12 of 24. So, like, the numbers don't really stand out there, um, but 263 yards and three passing touchdowns and an additional 27 yards on the ground and a rushing touchdown. Um, the Really, the, the, the seven-minute, 51-second touchdown drive to end the third quarter and start the fourth really finished uh, by J.J. on the ground. That three-yard, third and goal was a huge play. And that was just that was eye opening the way he was hitting the guys downfield and like there were there were different types of, of downfield throws that I think he's been missing most of the year. These were way easier, but he put air under the ball and let these guys run under it. At least on the on the two 
Um, the one to was it Loveland, and then the the second one to to Johnson. Love, Loveland throw is perfect though. It really was. Um, in in look, he just didn't miss him, which is a nice surprise, I think, or not a surprise, but. It was the question heading into the game. Um, even when things started out shaky, he, he looked calm and collected, and he was really the – I mean, he was the backbone of this game. And, it, and it, I feel like his swagger, for the lack of a better term, I'm not a big fan of using that word, um, but, like, the attitude he had when things weren't going right and just was very calm was the true leader for this team that they needed when when it looked like it could have gone, um, like, two years ago and three years ago type game. Um, very – very important for him there. Uh, Stroud uh, had some decent numbers, 31 for 48 for 349 yards and two touchdowns but two interceptions. Um, receiving Cornelius Johnson, four catches for 160 yards, the two touchdowns for 69 yards and 75 yards. Colson Loveland, one catch for 45 yards and a touchdown to start the third quarter and take the lead for good. I think that was actually fourth quarter. or maybe No, that was third quarter, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it was third quarter. It wasn't pretty. It really wasn't, and, and I think that's kind of where I wanted to start um, through the air, but just the clutch moments were something that we haven't seen yet this year or, or that we've seen from, from J.J. in general. It, like, he, he makes the good throws. I think he had some clutch moments against Illinois, and, and there's probably some other times that I'm not giving him credit for, but it was backs-against-the-wall clutch moments that it was if you don't pick up this third down, things could get bad. If you miss this wide-open receiver, what are you going to do? You know what I mean? It was big third down plays through the air, on the ground. Um, just really, really fun to see him be the reason why, if that makes sense. What did you think about J.J.'s game overall? I, th- I think he had to command the offense early. They did not have a run game. Blake Corum gave it a go. He he obviously couldn't do his thing. They didn't even bring him back in the game. What did he have, like two carries? So he they didn't have an established run game. The, first, the whole first half they had one rush yard for the entire half. And yet they stayed in this game. They were competitive in the game and, and had the lead late in the second quarter for a while because J.J. McCarthy owned the offense. And he. what I think he did more than anything is he just maneuvered the pocket. He stepped up when he needed to. He moved to the right when the blitz came on the inside. He really had the feel of the game, the way he needed to play it. And it didn't always turn into a, a reception, but he was always consistently getting a feel. He was in the game. First, second, third down. In he control. Was, yeah, he was. It felt like he was in control. He was yep. reading. He reading the room almost. So when he didn't have anything, he didn't force it. Great. We don't need any turnovers. And then, and then eventually, that also turned into because he had the feel of the game. Then it turned into the the running stats, which weren't huge, but they were critical. They mm-hmm. kept the chains moving when they when we needed them the most, and then the fourth touchdown that he contributed, which the first four touchdowns for Michigan, all four JJ had a part in. Yeah. So that was that was what was critical, you know. Ohio State with their athleticism, with their pre-planned game plan, and and getting into their, um, you know, really talented offensive play, you know, that's hard to game plan for. So Michigan had to have that response, right? They took the jab, they took the cross, and then they they stood in there and they fought right back. And that was JJ doing that and, mm-hmm. and his attitude in the game that did it because there was also question marks around Donovan Edwards early in, for three quarters, really, if he was going to be able to hold on to the ball. Yeah, he wasn't even in the game the majority of the game because there were so many question marks with their backfield. It felt like it. I was surprised when I read they had twenty two carries. Does that number like just seem like way too many? Way that, too many. That doesn't seem like he had that much. That's a total second half thing though. I yeah, think he had yeah, like seven carries for one yard in the first first half. Yeah, John, what did you think about JJ's game overall? Well, 
obviously you lean on that run game all season long. You have Blake Corum back there, right? And, uh, you know, he's banked up. To see an in-game live adjustment to knowing that our run game's not working, we need something to happen here. Ohio State game plan for the run, and they did a great job in the first half. What I liked most was Cade relied on his blockers for JJ. a lot of – or J.J., sorry – Relied on those – I just keep seeing the I transfer did, yeah. portal stuff. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, sorry, JJ. Uh, utilize the blocks. Let the guys block. Let our offensive line wear on their defensive front, and then it just paid dividends in the second half. Run game takes off for us. Mm-hmm. Um, it was – yeah, I, I mean, that completion percentage is easy to look at and be like, oh, man, he was, you know, 50%. Yeah, 50%. Um, he must have thrown a lot of bad passes. There were a couple – drops I guess a couple balls that hit hands and you know he gained his composure I think a few of those incompletions right off the get-go he was overthrowing the ball I agree throwing with the ball he was hard. rushing yeah yep. yeah and then he like you said Ryan he got like fluid he got fluid with the offense with the run game with a, a play action and then just letting the ball get to the wide receiver which is what we've struggled with all year with the little bit of tape that we have on jj from the season because we've relied so heavy on the run again surprised with you that he had 22 carries for donovan edwards yeah i thought in the first half you know you you watch i watched a highlight video from that game of his play and he was throwing blocks where he was blocking guys with his shoulder he wasn't even using his hands and i was like oh boy this is Mm -hmm. you know in game it's like man (laughs) This is rough. Like, he's a handcuff out there. Yeah. He can't do anything. He can't catch the ball. You're not throwing the ball to him. Um, but he did make some big catches. That he, he he was very close to breaking a couple tackles, too, from really adding to his box score. But Yeah, he um, was. Yeah, but J.J., I mean, look as composed as he has uh, in his entire career. Um, and getting that win on the road, I mean, that's got to give the guy like him all the confidence in the world. Yeah. Well, and I, and I want to point out too, like you know, that second touchdown he threw to Cornelius Johnson. We, it's easy to say that he was wide open. You're going to hit him every time, but that ball's in the air before that second move. That's a good point. So you know, Cornelius Johnson, give him that huge credit for that route. Incredible. Yeah, and and he sold it with his eyes. You could tell because the safety bit early. He went that way hard, and then and then Johnson went back over the middle. But that ball's been in the air. Like or or it's at least in motion where JJ's made his decision early and he's he's on his way to leading him. So mm-hmm. it was not it it was still uh an NFL or or a big time passing throw that we needed him even just a decision alone. If we just if we just leave all of these you know, the Loveland too, I'm not saying a whole lot, but the Loveland throw JJ made that decision before he was wide open over the top too. Like there was almost uh, collisions going on with routes came together and these defenders got confused, but he stepped up in the pocket and are making these decisions that, that we needed him to make. And they, they were not obvious when he made them. So again, he saw the field. It felt like he was in control of the game. We trusted him with the offense. He pulled through to keep us in the game. The whole first three, two and a half to three quarters, this is J.J.'s game. This is J.J.'s offense, and we needed him to step up, and he did. Yep. So Cornelius Johnson led the way with four catches, 160 yards, the two touchdowns. Uh, Ronnie Bell, three catches for 56 yards. Colson Loveland, one catch for 45. 
Um, Donovan Edwards did have two receptions for nine yards, but with the hand, I think that kind of threw things off. And then Schoonmaker also had a catch for 15 yards. It was a really big play. Um, comparing those to the wide receiving numbers that uh, Ohio State had, I was actually blown away when I saw their their finishing stats because it's like you look at the numbers, it's in, and it doesn't make sense that Michigan won this by how much. Uh, so Egbuka, is that right? Emika Emika. Egbuka, nine receptions for 125 yards and a touchdown. Marvin Harrison Jr., seven catches for 120 yards um, and a touchdown as well. Like I, I think Michigan's corners are, are one of the, the bright spots of their, their defense, and it was weird to see that many yards, but like I, I'm trying to like I, – I, I, I've watched the game a couple times, and I'm just like, man – it didn't feel like they were dominating us. Well, it, but these numbers say that they were. No, but you go back and you look in second half. There were two drives where Ohio State came up with zero. Zero. Yeah, and they moved the ball down the field, and it was it was purely pre- prevent defense. We did not want the big play. We kept the clock rolling. It was like the seven minute mark down to four minute mark, and then he threw the interception, and it was like the most deflating thing in the world to Ohio State. And that that's where a lot of these yards came in because I'm telling you, like, there was one big play that Ohio State capitalized on. It was the Marvin Harrison Jr. touchdown. And and, and that was the only play that um, that I saw. Uh, what's his name? 22. It was even a big play. Yeah, but the cornerback, 22. Jamon uh, Green. Yeah, Jamon Green. That was the only time I saw him out there. He's not 100% either. Like, that was his first game back in a while. Second, well, he played he played against Illinois. Oh, did he? Yeah, okay. He did. Well, Well, either way, it – didn't look like he was healthy to me. It looked like he was kind of hobbling around. Uh, but he got beat by one of the best wide receivers in college football Yeah, down the field. Other than that, we kept them in front of us. We made them move the ball consistently without making the mistake. And that, in in the long run, led to Ohio State scoring three points in the second half and two two interceptions. Yeah, we talked a little bit about the running game, so I do want to uh, – Corm did try to give it a go, um, but after two carries and an awkward cut, uh, he left the game and did not return. Uh, he did end up with six yards. But the other question heading into the game was Donovan Edwards with that broken hand. Um, look, it, it, I think he broke into the Nebraska game. But, he, I mean, he showed up to play on Saturday. Edwards, 22 carries for 216 yards and two massive touchdowns on back-to-back drives. He had the 75-yard run to make it a two-possession game with seven minutes left and then an 85-yard run to put the game away at 45-23. 160 uh of those of the yards on those two plays uh, helped his average to be 40 yards per carry, but also had 86 additional yards on the other 20 carries for a respectable 4.3 yard per carry average. Like it didn't seem like he had a crazy great game, but they just kept pounding away and like just take like it was just punch after punch after punch. It felt like it felt way different than last year with Haskins. Haskins, right? Yep. Um. And it like it felt like Haskins absolutely dominated that football game from start to finish, where it didn't feel like that's what Edwards was doing, but it really just turned out in the end like he just had really a, a, an incredible game for him, which was just great to see. And then you look at you compare it to uh, what Ohio State did on the ground. Yeah, I mean they were missing. I think their their first string Henderson, right? Um, but their second string Trey Trainum Trey Anum. I, I don't know how to say these names. Trey Trainum. Train him. Yep. Um, he came back from his injury. He had 14 carries for for is that 83 or 63? I think 83 yards. 83 yards. Um, but just to, they limited the big play again. You know, like there were times that he was getting you know nine, ten yards and stuff like that. That was very frustrating, at least in the first half. Um, but man, they just <laughs> they weather the storm so well. This defense does. I, it, they are the perfect bend and not break 
type defense um, with the upside of takeaways. I, I saw two plays of uh, from Michigan running back, third third stringer, freshman. Uh, Gash? Nope. Stokes? Yeah, CJ Stokes. CJ Stokes? I don't know. Anyway, Stokes, Stokes to me, he could have broken uh, Donovan Edwards' type of run a couple of times, and he was it was like shoestring tackles. Yeah, I agree. And but but I also want to give Michigan credit because, or I guess on the flip side, Ohio State, it felt like the same thing. They were maybe three or four or five even. There were a lot of plays yep. runs where they were almost, you know, home free. Yeah. And there was a clutch tackle here and there. Sanders still had a couple. I know that uh, uh, their uh, Michigan safeties had a few. Number six, number seven, Makari Page came up with a couple big plays where they were they came up early and turned this into a six or seven yard gain. But I'm telling you, if that if he they don't make a clutch tackle, where all the running back has to do is is make one guy miss, he's he's gone for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And so Ohio State, I feel like, missed out on a lot of big plays because of the execution and tackling ability of this Michigan defense. And, you know, I think also it's going to come in in play, you know, come playoff season, you know, coming up here soon. Yeah, so Michigan, um, look, what, what did you say they had? Like, neg- was it negative five rushing yards in the first half, something no, like that? One. They had one rushing yard one in the first rushing half. One rushing yard. I know um, they were sitting on a goose egg for a long time. Yeah. Like zero. Like they'd get a, a run for three and then they'd lose, lose three, three or you know, something like that. It was just like back and forth, but yeah. Um. So they finished with uh, 530 total yards, 278 passing, 252 on the ground, <laughs> 8.8 yards per play, 16 first downs to Ohio State's 23, third down efficiency, 7 of 16 to 5 of 16, fourth down efficiency, Michigan was 1 for 1, Ohio State was 0 for 1, and that... that that's just I feel like that was such a big point in the game. Um I do want to get into that here if you guys are cool with it. But re- real quick, I, let's did we just finish that grand cherry one? Yeah. Can can we can you explain can you uh tell everybody what it was and we'll, we'll give it our grades cuz I want to get get through these a little bit here. Yeah, I mean this is uh what grand cherry from Blake's Hard Cider. It's uh Michigan cherries, oranges, apples and oak on a marvelous scale it says. So um 8.5%, which I'll just tell you, I mean, it does not seem like an 8.5%. Right. This is this is dangerous. Yeah. Really dangerous. Good. What do you think? Well, like, I, I think it depends on if you like ciders. And can, could I drink these all day? Probably not. They're probably a little too sweet for me to be, like, loving them. But, man, like, just little sips here and there. Like, the way we're going to do this, like the samples and stuff. Oh boy, these are gonna get high grades from me. I, I'm 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 gonna start with an 8.0 for this first for this first one because yeah. I I liked it and I like the cherry. The cherry is actually f- pretty florally. If does that sound is that a r- real word? Florally, florally, Flor- florally. Is that, no, it can't be right. I don't know. I just I'll take it, it. It tasted right. Yeah, know. I'm gonna give it even a better grade. I'm gonna go eight three. Um, I kind of have a sweet tooth in general anyways. Like even when I, I like things dry, but then I do yeah. like, like in general, I sweeten up my coffee, I sweeten up, you know, my, oh, you do. like, I like yeah. old fashions, uh, for the bitter sweet type thing. And this kind of, I agree. I, I wouldn't want to do, you know, drink it all day, but I could, I could drink a couple of these at least. Yeah. John, yeah. what about you? I wrote my grade down. Seven nine, seven nine, and I'm probably doing a little bit of an injustice to it because it's the first one. I'm setting my bar 
at seven nine for the rest. Yeah, but I I could see myself potentially changing that grade if uh, one of these doesn't, you know. Yeah, you gotta have like some reference, right? Yeah, and I'm not a I'm not a huge cider fan per se, but every now and then I enjoy like a yeah cider beer to mix up the light beers or domestic beers that I'm sipping on. Yeah. No, a solid one. I, the cherry wasn't overpowering either, and I don't think it was really that sweet for being a cider. Like it still got a little bit of dryness to it. But All let's right. see what these other three do. So, yep. So uh, getting back to a little bit about the Michigan yep. game, time of possession. Uh, Ohio State had thirty-one minutes and forty-six seconds to Michigan's twenty-eight fourteen. Pretty even there. Pretty cool stat here. Last seven games in the fourth quarter for Michigan. They have they outscored Ohio State twenty one to three, Illinois nine to nothing, Nebraska ten to nothing, Rutgers ten to nothing, MSU ten to nothing, Penn State ten to nothing, Indiana fourteen to nothing, eighty four to three, in the last seven fourth quarters that Michigan has played. And and, and I I had a stat last That's last crazy. week kind of about the 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 second halves and I forget exactly what it was but it's just an incredible stat and I bet you this would have played onto it perfectly I wish I would have just added on to that but that stat absolutely insane last two meetings um, between Ohio State so the points Michigan this is second half alone Michigan leads fifty six to seventeen rushing yards four hundred and thirty to twenty four. The last sec- last two second halves for Michigan and Ohio State. Turnovers, uh, Ohio State has two to Michigan's none. Michigan has allowed zero stacks to Ohio State's four against. So, look, this just a fun way to look at how dominant uh, Michigan was, not only on Saturday, but just the last couple of games. And, look, we understand this is a small sample size. If we're going to take the last 20 years, it's not pretty. Still isn't. We can't erase that. But, man, we are going to take what we got here and, and completely run with it. Well, so, so so let me ask you then, to get back to, like, the name of the entire podcast, State of. State of my sports. What What is the state of this program, you know, <sighs> right now as it currently stands? And maybe even what is the state of the program compared to Ohio State? Because... I, that that's what we're really comparing against. That's our that's our baseline. Yeah. That's our standard that we're that we're measured against and that they're measured against. Yeah, I mean, I think Michigan is in complete control of this right now. Based on the last two games, they are in complete control. Now that can flip very quickly, and I get that. But what Michigan has done is it feels like they broke Ohio State a little bit. Ohio State would show up in games that they shouldn't be beating us and not not as good, basically, and they would absolutely destroy us because they had that confidence. They had that, here I'm going to say swagger again, they had that that mentality that you cannot beat us. And we we knew that. And then last year happened, and it feels like, all right, that, that was the, the one. And then that first half, really the first quarter into the first half was just like, okay, well, it felt like that game could have got out of hand quickly for Ohio State, but Michigan kept fighting. And then as soon as you got into a couple of these plays, and I want to get into those, as soon as their backs were against the wall, Michigan was just like, yep. It was, and this is going to sound stupid, but it felt like the little brother like thing you do with your not, – I'm not going back to the Michigan State. I'm not saying Ohio State's little brother, but it felt like it was, wow, you're getting closer, but we're still in charge. And that's was that was surprising to me is how quickly Ohio State seemed to fold under that pressure because that is not what Ohio State has ever done that I that I've been aware of and it felt like they did and then as soon as it got as soon as it started going wrong 
they let it go very wrong. And that was very strange. And I think that's a coaching thing. I I think not not saying Ryan Day's a bad coach, not saying Ohio State has bad coaches, but I think it's just like Harbaugh is like I am the head coach. I am the coach in this. I am the better coach in this matchup now. Whether Urban would have been in this moment, probably still. I, I don't know. I don't want to argue like that. I, I think it's a stupid conversation to have. But when you compare Harbaugh to Ryan Day, Harbaugh's got his number. Harbaugh's got him, his little, you know what, in a box, in control of of what we're seeing here. You know what I mean? His playbook? Or? What, what does he have yeah. in the box? <laughs> his headphones? What, let's open the don't box. Let, <laughs> I don't want to What's dis- in the box? I don't want to discredit like Ohio State from uh, the period of time where they've had our number. Yeah. But I think these last two Michigan victories outweigh that period of time where we didn't come to play and beat them. And mm-hmm. that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm going with cuz why? Why do you think that is? I think we got to see all these different head coaching regimes come in and build their team, recruit their guys, and we had good recruits. We had star power, we had hope and come up short where Ohio State benefited from that because they were also recruiting very, very well for a long time there and losing guys early to the NFL draft, um, bringing in high-end talent, knowing that they had a footprint to make it to the professional level. Michigan finally has a mixture of that with some upperclassmen, and we get to reap the benefit of having great players come up in big moments and with today's college football, as fast as a program can turn around and as fast as a, one team can just, like, go out and have the best recruiting year. Um, Jim Harbaugh has his guys. He's got that culture established in that locker room. And I'm sorry, but Ohio State got slapped. Again. And you can't you can't afford to do that at home it, if you're and, Ohio State. And I almost feel like the best that Ohio State has is C.J. Stroud in this passing attack. That's the best they had, and JJ JJ's swagger kind of matched him throw for throw, and that and CJ was the one that crumbled, and JJ didn't. And, and it's obviously that's a way oversimplified version of it, but I think the the reason why this is so sweet is because it's not like Ohio State's program is low, mm-hmm. right? It's not like uh, 2010 or whenever it was yeah. when we we beat them. And it's like oh okay good. Well they had two wins after. They had all the scandal stuff going on, on, and they had, you know, they had, were out of the playoff. It's not that's not the situation. Yeah, exactly. Ohio State has lost two games in the last two years, both to Michigan. Well, they lost to Oregon last year too. So, oh, okay, yeah. So, but so yeah. I guess what I heard was over the last like twenty three games, yes. they're like twenty one and two, with only two losses against Michigan. Yep. In the last twenty three games, so this program is still at an elite level, right? They could get into the playoff if one of these, if if number three or number four in the college football playoff right now, if they, if one of those loses their championship game, Ohio State is, still has a chance to be in the top four. This is an elite program yeah. that that cannot seem to find their way against Michigan. It's because Michigan's plan of attack is so oriented in the trenches, and they just have dominated at a very specific part of this game that Ohio State hasn't had any answer for. And that's what makes it so sweet because you go you go skill position versus skill position, offense and defense in, in, on both teams. And I would I would argue on 
uh, on defense for Michigan this year that the skill positions would be on you know leaning in their favor. But yeah, in general, skill positions. Good luck matching Ohio State. You're not going to do it. And Ohio and Michigan has found their their identity is the right word really, but it's their it's it's their way of dominating where Ohio State doesn't have that answer in return. One one other point too is going into this matchup, Blake Corum was banged up. The nation knew it. There were two Heisman candidates going into this weekend. It was CJ Stroud and it was Caleb Williams. Mm-hmm. This was CJ's chance to shine at home against a finally tough opponent, and he came up short. I mean, outside of the two interceptions, yeah, he had a great box score. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. He, he made some big throws. His wide receivers, I think, made bigger plays than he did. But he crumbled. Michigan went in with their, up until two weeks ago, Heisman running back that didn't play Yep. and put the smack down. That, hundred percent. That 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 <laughs> speaks just absolute it volume. I, I think the the arrogance of Ohio State in this in this rivalry has finally caught up with them. And I think and, and you go back. Like, I'm not going to toot my own horn here, but like you go back to very early on episodes when Michigan was really struggling, and I I basically called that out and said these players need to get back to the anger and not not be oh thinking, I made it to Michigan, this is the top of the mountain of college football, and this is who I am. And so, No, you get to Michigan, then you go to work. You don't do the work to get to Michigan. You get to Michigan, get, then go do the work. And I feel like that's what this these coaching this, this coaching staff that, that they keep going through right now are doing a great job developing, and they're keeping these guys working. And the players, they're not getting arrogant. They're not saying this is who we are. They're going out and proving who they are. It, it's not the talking. It's the showing and then doing the the talking, the waving, and all that kind of stuff. But they're there to work. They're there to prove something, and they do it, and then they move on. And I love that side. Instead but, of the talking before and getting all high and mighty, there's, hey, this, we're here to work, we're doing this. We're this. I love it. I think the the whole mentality, you go back from, from what we were saying two years ago about this program, or two, three years ago, it's like it's a complete 180 of, of what we're seeing. It's the people, it's the players, obviously, but I think it's the coaching staff. They're developing, not recruiting. That's the the thing that Michigan's doing better than Ohio State is the developing. That's something that Michigan State was doing in their heyday way better than Michigan was. They are truly developing players, not just for the uh, Heisman type seasons like Ohio State truly is trying to do with their their high end guys. If they want to get them to the Heisman Trophy, they want to pad their stats. They want to do all this. They're not Michigan doesn't do that. So so developing they beat you that. however they can. So developing does that mean development of skill and talent, or is that development of character and and the um, man? You it feels I mean? like both. Honestly, it I, really does. Yeah, I think it's a mentality thing. I think it's individually. All of those guys are hungry. They've gotten to. Again, kind of sit back. Like the offensive line has just had to go out and block for Blake Corum. Mm-hmm. Now you're seeing other position players step up and say, "Hey, I'm also part of this intriguing mm-hmm. operation that has been winning games all season long." Yeah, I, th- I think they needed a group of seniors to step up and change the culture within the locker room, and and probably it starts with the coaching staff, where where Jim Harbaugh completely changed his mentality and. Wiped, you know, got a new defensive coordinator, new offensive coordinators, uh, over even this year. But the scheme was changed and then consistent over the last couple of years. Uh, but I think Aiden Hutchinson 
and the group of seniors last year when they could when they could just get a game manager type of quarterback with Cade in there then they were like okay we can work with this and they took over that locker room and the whole mentality of the program and now you're seeing the results of that from Saner still you're mm-hmm. seeing the results of that from the offensive line as a whole mm-hmm. You're seeing Jim Harbaugh with the new renewed energy where he's just blown away by his players. You see that from J.J. McCarthy and Donovan Edwards where they're, they're now talking like a senior who would take over the pro. No, no, no. These are true sophomores that are now have this mentality, this workmanlike mentality that they're going to pass on to the next recruits. Yep. So this is something that is sustained because of the expectation moving forward and, the, and really the, the locker room presence Right until you get a cancer and ruin this thing, like this thing, it can go for a while like this. And and I don't want to throw like these these two particular guys under under the bus, but like one thing when when we're Sean Gary, our highest end recruit that we've ever gotten, I think under Jim Jim Harbaugh, when he was there, um, there was the talk that oh he's not used correctly, they're not using him to best suit, they're trying to use him like and it just it caused that angst in the 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 program. When Peppers was there, it was all right. How do we get this guy? He's got so much talent. How do we get him to work? How do we make him be part of every single thing we can do? And you're building around these two guys, whether it's attitude or scheme or like all those things. That that goes around the, the whole team. And now what you have is every single player does their job, and that's why they're we're making those shoestring tackles is because everybody is in position. No matter what, they're not trying to overdo it. They're doing it for the team. They're doing it for the the program. Offensive line, defensive line, everybody. It's not about stats. It's not about throwing. Th- like, it's not about any of that. They're out there to do their job as a team, as a system, and it's flourishing. It really is. It is awesome, and I, I, I love it. I really do. Um, I do want to get back to the game. I love that we went down that where Michigan's at compared to Ohio State. I think that's perfect. I love talking about it. I think Michigan has broken Ohio State. How can Michigan take a stranglehold on the Big Ten the way Ohio State did? That's still way too early to say that, but that's obviously the goal, right? Um, but I did, I did want to talk a little bit more about the game, the coaching adjustments we already we already touched on. Um, I thought JJ. This was the first time we've seen him his his NHL cal or sorry NFL caliber NHL, come baby. through. You know, well, he is a hockey player too. Was he? Yeah, he well, was. that's why you like him. Okay. I didn't know that until like a couple of weeks ago. They they were talking about it. But you, oh, side note, did you happen to see like the videos cir- like circulating online when they got home or back to the the big house or to the, the campus? They went right to Yoast, and then like during a commercial break, they all just like jumped on the ice and they're like waving to the crowd like hardballs, just like yeah. Oh, and, like really? I think like Michigan might have got a penalty because of it or oh, something no like way. that. I didn't but, see. But like that. JJ like goes and hugs the goalie and stuff. It was so funny. Uh, love that, but I thought it was the first time we saw like the. So wait, so are you saying that's the key to the the re- renewed like focus on the field? Is that they're he's, all going to act like hockey players? Yeah, he's an ex hockey player. That was exactly what I was going. Yeah, on. I was yeah. Just, I was hockey theme. Because like they don't talk about themselves; they talk no, about toughness. the team. Um, what position did he play, Sam? I'm, I'm not, I'm you the know, right. I don't know. I actually looked up his recruit. Like his, uh, he reminds me of like a like a defenseman. Hockey like DB. He's got a he's got a good touch for the breakaway when it's wide open. <laughs> he's got you know? too, too like, much swagger like, for yeah. for for a defenseman. Yeah, he's just think so? sitting back yeah. and passing. Yeah, <laughs> slap shots every now and then. I bet, and you, I bet you he was sense. a really good overthrowing his wide receivers like by eight yards. Um, when did the game officially turn for you guys? Is there a particular moment? Because I thought there were several options for this. It's like a really tough question. Okay, for me, 
For me, it was staying in the game early. Okay. It, so it, I, it's a bad answer because it's really hindsight twenty twenty kind of thinking. But I was I was most nervous when Ohio State started scoring and they were moving the ball, and it was like, man, how many of those critical third and fourth downs did Michigan weather in the first half? And every single possession, Ohio State was past the 50-yard line immediately. It was like we couldn't buy – our defense was doing such a great job of hanging in there, but how many punches can you take? Because they they never had the ball in their own possession, right? They were always Mm -hmm. on the other side of the 50, and yet they were still being put in those third and three situations and then third and 19 sometimes or third and 11 like that, that, that wasn't that was really weird. No. But, but to me, that was like, that was the most critical part is when Ohio State was going through that. We could have, the came, the game could have gotten out of hand. Yeah. This is still, this is still one of the top elite teams in the, in the nation. They could have taken control of the game and it could have looked a lot different. And to kind of build off that for me was, was when OSU was up seven at Michigan's 34, they had the fourth and two and the defense made the stop. That was like, that I think was the key to keep it close. You know what I mean? Like that could have been if they went down and scored, they were they're already up seven. That could have been a fourteen point game. That's a big difference in a, in a in a football game is a fourteen point to seven point. And oh, then yeah. Michigan, I don't think Michigan went down and scored or anything like that. But they no, they didn't. But they that was a huge moment and it changed the 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 field position and all that kind of stuff. Like it was it was massive, huge. So to kind of build off what huge. like the kind of keeping it in close at the in the first game uh, or sorry the first half. Um, my mine for the second half would be when I really felt like we might have this game is when JJ ran for the touchdown on third down on third down three. and yeah. and that was critical because if you remember they had multiple chances at this touchdown and it would have been completely demoralizing if they wouldn't have been able to get into the end zone yeah and it was and and really I think it was Joel Clad actually on on the call was saying like JJ needs to do this like he needs to run the ball yeah, yeah. and get in the end zone himself and he or he's looking for it or something he made some reference to JJ needed to do this on his own mm-hmm. and then he did it on his own and it was like you know that's when they started going like this and waving four like yep he's responsible for four touchdowns at yeah. this point and that 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 run it was incredible because he kind of got on the wrong side of his offensive lineman because he just hit that hole so hard yeah he did and he took a Couple like there's two Ohio State guys that he had to take on there because he obviously ran past his, his blocker. Um, that was that was a great play. I love I love that. Um, but I, I feel like the the second Cornelius Johnson touchdown was when like it kind of all struck to me like all right we're hanging in, we're we're not only hanging around we are possibly in control possibly about to take control of this game. You know what I mean? It was like the first one felt like a fluke because nothing was going right. Nothing. And then you had that third down where Cornelius Johnson got that catch right at the sticks, broke two tackles, took it all the way to the house. Like that was like, holy smokes! That felt like somewhat of a fluke. That you know what awesome. I mean? Yeah, it was a great play. I, yeah. I don't want to call it a fluke. That's no, not but you're fair, right though. But, no, no, no. Like, like that we was, didn't man, deserve to get a touchdown yet. You know what I mean? We didn't get that drive. Almost like we were bailed out. Yes. And then the second one was like, whoo! We might have figured something out here. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. That was kind of the one that stuck out to me. Was the second touchdown um that he had um but then biggest play do you have one that that stood out because i biggest play i have one and i think it'll probably be the same as yours but that was yeah i'm I'm thinking of the jump throw yeah so the the jump throw is one of them to schoonmaker i can't even think of that running back's name 
Yeah, well, he's a linebacker. Is he, uh, a, he was a former line, uh, Mulling, Mullings. Mullings, yeah. Mullings. So they were trying to move him to running back at the beginning of the year, and then their their linebacking core was so hurt that they moved, they kept him at linebacker. And it's like that's why that's why Jim was like, man, Mullings, talk about a guy who would do anything for the team, yeah, and do anything and everything because they've yanked him around from position to position. You know that that jump throw play was meant for Blake Corum. Is is, is that what, what it was? What I okay, heard in the so press I, conference after. Okay, I. I missed who he said it was for. I thought he was saying it was for Donovan Edwards, but you're probably right that it was for Corum. Yeah, it was it was for Blake Corum. <laughs> Is that the cat? Some, something's falling from the ceiling. I don't know. <laughs> it's probably pepper digging. Yeah, but I mean this this play that they were that they had on the books, they were ready for this and wanted to use it in the right situation. Yeah, Blake Corum's the one practicing it, so yeah. they trusted a linebacker to make this play in in such a critical third down situation i think it was like third and 3 at the at the time something like that yeah and it felt again it felt like it was a big moment in the game because we had multiple shots at this third yeah. you know leading into the third down and we couldn't get it done and it was one of those you know i don't know michigan had to take advantage of the opportunity kind of moments and they yeah. did well they set it up perfectly too because I think it was a previous drive. He was in, in a short yarded situation. It might have been a third and one. Might have been a. It was definitely wasn't wasn't a fourth one. So yeah, I think he was, was like a, twelve I think it was yards a third back. Third and one. What's that? And he was like twelve yards back. Oh, he was. I, yeah, watch I mean, the tape. I, I'll have to watch that part again. Yeah, it was crazy. But like they set it up because I, I remember. Like I don't know who this guy is. Micah. That, that's one thing that I love about watching games with Micah is he knows every single player so well. And I'm just like. Okay, who is this guy? Is this our fullback? And he goes, no, it's a linebacker. Like, it? Yeah, 2019 recruit, 82 <laughs> overall. Yeah, like he's Three so star. good at that kind of stuff. And like as soon as he came in the first time, Mike was like, what are they doing? Like and I'm like, oh, all right, well, it didn't work. So I think he got stopped for a no gain, and we either punted or we picked it up on the fourth down. I don't remember exactly the whole situation. But then they brought him in again, and Micah was losing it. Like he was really, really mad. And so was I. I was like, dude, it didn't work before. Like, Ed's working with Edwards or, I mean, give it to, to Stokes or something. Like, give it to somebody else. Um, but then they did that jump pass and throw and then got that huge third down. Is that the one you were going to go with? No. What's, what's your play? Sanders still. Oh. That pass breakup oh, that yeah. he had in the end zone. Like, that would have – so what were we up? I think we were up 12, right? I think it was 11. Was it 11? Yeah, so. yeah. Yep, 11 makes more sense. So, we're up 11, huge third down, and – the pass in the end zone, great route. They set it up perfectly. Yep. And the way Sandra still just sat and waited, he goes, all right, I'm going to let this guy get his hands on it, and then as soon as he gets it, then I will take the ball. Like, you don't see players in the NFL make that good of plays very often. Like, yeah. that was an insanely good, gr- great play, but then it turned out to be an incredible play to hold them to the field goal to instead of getting a touchdown – I still think it was the wrong decision for them to to kick the field goal. I thought they should have went for it personally. That's no, just, it was the right decision. You really think so? Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I think he could have been a little. It more was impressive. the football decision, the, for sure. Yeah, but he, all right. Anyways, we don't need to get into that. But then it turned into the field goal. I think it was the very next play, maybe three plays later. I can't remember how how it all lays out. Then uh, the the Edwards touchdown. That's that's basically what broke that game. That broke Ohio State's. Spirit because it felt like they were still in the game. They almost got a touchdown to get it to within three, go for two, all that kind of stuff. They could have got it really close, and all of a sudden, boop, nope, game over basically. Yeah. So it was like to a fifteen point game. Oh, what a, what a and play! It's just an incredible like 
sequence, well, I guess, it, is really the big, the it, big one. And it felt so similar to the first touchdown of the game by a, a Buka, a Buka, yep. yeah. where Sanders still was diving and like if if it looks like he was wide open, watch the tape again because Sanders still was close. Yeah. Like he was full on diving for the ball and he almost got his hands on it. It felt really similar to that. So for him to have the the awareness to go after the ball again, but purposefully knock it out of his hands because he had the time, right? He had the time to either go down low, try to tackle him be, uh, ahead of time or something. But no, he like like you said, he he saw it with his eyes. It was purposeful. That's what made it so masterful. It was so perfect yeah. of a play because it was so intentional. Yep. What play stood out to you the most, John? I think Cornelius Johnson's first touchdown. First touchdown? When he broke that tackle, and it was just like, okay, now we get to see his speed, and he broke away. Yeah. Ohio State led up, and then, you know, again, it, I think that set the tone because the passing game was there, and then J.J. hits him over the top wide open, and he's the fastest guy out on the field, mm-hmm. right? He's yeah. got to be. Um, and then you can't help but think of Donovan Edwards keeping his balance – um, I feel like that is usually a tackle that Michigan doesn't break in the wide open like that yeah. to really blow out the game. Um, and then to see the sideline behind that, like when you got to see the end zone camera oh, of that gosh. run, um, everybody running down the sideline, <laughs> so everybody's cool. hand in the air. Um, great for Donovan Edwards, obviously. Mm. How fast um, is he? Oh, he is okay. so fast. So, again – is he faster than Cornelius? He, he probably is. Yeah, but I think he might be. <laughs> Cornelius Johnson, like he made those D back, and I feel like Ohio State has good secondary. It doesn't matter who they lose; like somebody else steps in. Yeah, they're highly rated recruits. And he, I mean, breaking tackles and getting away from them—that was just great to see. Because I, I feel like even though Ohio State rebounded and scored quick, I, and at times it was like, man, Michigan's scoring the ball too fast. We're leaving right? them too much time. Like <laughs> all these big plays coming out. Um, and, and eliminating that time of possession, you said there was the one long drive right in the third quarter? Yeah. The yeah, eight minute? Yeah, se- 750, I think. Did yeah. that roll into the fourth quarter, too? Yeah. Like, they had the yep. ball for so long, and it, it was did, just like, yeah. man, this is, that this, was is huge. this is great actually, to see. Actually, that's when we were screwed out of out of the timeout, or not the timeout. They almost screwed us out oh, of the timeout. We were, we they got, got it back to us. We got it back. Yeah, okay, that was yeah. at the very end of the third quarter, Oh, right? I was like ready yeah. to start oh. throwing stuff. I was throwing stuff. Was that when J.J. ran? Well, it was a fourth and or is a third down that that Michigan thought so that the sign on the other side of the field said fourth down and so they put their jumbo package out there but it really was like first in goal or first in 10 from the 11 yard line. Yeah. So it looked like Michigan was about to waste a play and so then the, the clock went out or they whatever. Didn't reset, well, so they re- didn't reset the game or the the play clock. So like when when Michigan got tackled there was like 30 seconds left on the the in, in the quarter. And then there was like a lot of confusion, and then somehow the play clock got below the game clock, even though there was only thirty seconds. They were expecting them to reset it. They never did. So then it was like delay a game or timeout. The Michigan called timeout, and then they talked it through and got it figured out. But yeah, that was the the long. I think part of the long drive where Jay, and then the long drive was the one that JJ finished. JJ ran on that third. But Donovan Edwards was huge in that. Yeah, um, but then there was also on the Loveland touchdown drive. They went for it on fourth. So it was fourth and one on Michigan's own 34-yard line while up for Edwards' two-yard run. Huge play. Three plays later was the Loveland touchdown. The balls on Harbaugh to go for it in that scenario was, I mean, you're up. 
play it safe. Like, that's what you should do. It's the non-football call for probably. But this is Michigan. What you've done, they've missed one fourth down, I think, all year long, and that was against Illinois on that bad no no offsides off the face mask play. That's their only missed fourth down conversion this year. That's insane. And that's insane. why he went went ahead and did it in this offensive line. Takes that stuff, takes pride in those those plays, and Edwards did a great job getting that first down. So, but um, but I mean, those are the kind of plays that can swing this game one direction or another. So yeah, yeah, Michigan blew them out, but those critical plays are the ones that now Michigan believes they can they can handle, and those are the critical plays that Ohio State are, they're not sure. Mm-hmm. So that's that's where the confidence comes into play. Is are you, who's going to step up and make a a play? Who's going to go? Who's going to go try to make a play because they don't trust their teammate? An overplay, right? And now you're out of position and in one missed tackle or block away from Donovan Everett scoring 85 yards. Like that that's the kind of stuff that Michigan used to do. You remember when Ohio State's running backs year after year would just break out an 85 yard run that yeah. looked exactly like Donovan Edwards' 85 yard run? Oh yeah. I mean that happened all the time. And that's when that's when a defense doesn't trust itself from beginning to end. So people try to step up and do the wrong play, trying to make an a, a, a crazy play. Now you're out of position and you're nowhere to be found, and now you know, give up a touchdown for sure. So I do want to get a little bit into the Big Ten championship and the playoff scenarios that we're looking at here. So I, I'm I'm not really worried about Purdue, um, it, just because I think Michigan matches up. Like this this game feels more trappy than than last year's Big Ten championship, in my opinion. Um, but I just don't think the matchup is there is 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 enough to. I don't think anything Purdue can do to surprise. Michigan. You know what I mean? Like Illinois was a bad matchup for Michigan because they're a poor man's Michigan team. They're going to pound it and they have a great running back and a really solid defense. Purdue does not have either of those things. They have O'Connell who's kind of I don't want to say lucked his way into getting into this this game, but I I think they're probably the third best team on that side of the the division. Um so they just happened to, to land there. I, I would have much rather played them rather than Illinois again or, or Iowa again. Um, so I'm not that worried about it. I don't think it really matters if you win or lose. I don't see a way that they lose this game. Um, but, I mean, is there anything – what's your guys' level of concern heading into this game? Zero. Zero. I think the defense is going to play the biggest role. I think uh, Purdue's not going to move the ball. And – I see Michigan's second half tendencies starting in the first half of this game mm-hmm. and carrying out throughout. Um, I don't really expect Michigan to turn it into a barn burner either, where they're putting up a bunch of points. Yeah. I I think it's going to be a low scoring game, and I think they're Michigan's going to play it a little bit safe on offense, like twenty seven ten type. Yeah, thing, maybe but never close. Maybe like four or five Jake Moody field goals. Yeah, you know where. It's just like, all right, let's burn some clock, get a couple points on the board, and uh, let's get out of here. Yeah. What about you? Do you have any concern heading into this game? I don't have a concern because I don't think I don't think Purdue can get the big play. Yeah. And that's why I don't think – like Ohio State had concern because of the unknown about the big play. I just don't see that level of skill or offensive production on the Purdue side. So. Or even like confidence, really. Like, I, I don't know. But I didn't watch any – Purdue matchups this year so outside of you know Michigan weekly games on Saturdays I 
I don't know. Yeah, I think I think the one thing that could scare me a little is that Purdue's got nothing to lose. So if they have a lot of plays, you know, trick plays or oh, yeah, open up the book. Yeah, if they yeah. if they get two of those to stick, then it could the game could look a lot different than a, a typical Big Ten game. So they they have absolutely nothing to lose. They really have nothing to really gain out of it either. Yeah, right. If you think about it, so it's almost a free game for them to just be stupid. Yeah. And that that worries me, that worries me a little bit. What are they eight and four, and four losses? I think. Nine, nine and three, I think. Nine and three, jeez, um, that's better than I thought. But then you just look at like I, you're right though. I'd be more worried about Illinois again. Yeah. Um. So then you, the playoff rankings did come out. Um. In in with 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 the shake up here that this previous week, OSU lost to Michigan. Uh, number five, LSU lost to Texas A and M. Uh, number eight, Clemson Huge. lost to South Carolina. Number nine, Huge. Oregon lost to Oregon State. Um, so Those we're are so many big games. Yeah, right. Teams that had a lot to play for. Yeah, a lot. Like Clemson still had one loss. They had a really they still good had a chance. chance to be that team. They could have been a conference champion with one loss compared to Ohio State. Not a conference champion with one loss like that. That to me is yeah. is huge. Clemson, yep, I agree. Um, so Georgia is still at number one. They play at or play to, against three loss LSU. Michigan plays unranked and four loss Purdue. Uh, TCU comes in at three. They're going to play Kansas State for the second time. Uh, they won thirty eight twenty eight. They're going to play them in the Big Twelve Championship. USC at four uh, rematch against Utah. They lost forty three to forty two at Utah. Um, that was that that when Utah went for two, um, crazy game, and that's in the Pac-12 championship. And then OSU came in at number five, Alabama at number six. I think that's that's really where we're looking, right? Like I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this, but this is really good for the Big Ten. I think they had an opportunity to put Alabama ahead of OSU after what Michigan did to them, but they didn't. And I think that's a good sign for the Big Ten. If one of these teams fall, they basically already have it written out that. OSU will get in over Alabama because you can't win, you can't lose. Neither one of the teams can win or lose heading into this week. So that tells me they respect what Ohio State did. And it is one loss versus two, and I get that. Um, But I feel like previous committees would be like, "Uh, we'll give Alabama a shot to get in if somebody loses. So. I, I don't see how you can put Alabama ahead. I just don't. And, and I, I actually heard Joe Clatt kind of break this down, and it was a no-brainer. Like, Alabama has two losses. They just do. They've been in, like, five w- one-score games, and mm-hmm. they've lost two of two of the five. Yeah. And they were lucky on a couple of, like, really bad calls, like against Texas. They should have lost that game. 100%. And, Qu- and Quinn Ayers was out in the first quarter or first half. And there was that roughing the passer that they got. A, yeah, that was like game changing. And it took it took um, you know a superhero type of effort uh, out of quarterback whatever his name is Bryce Young. Yeah, Bryce Young from from Alabama to even keep them in that game. So it was like I don't know Alabama. They they could beat everybody or anybody any game. Hundred percent. Are they better than Michigan? They might be. I don't know. They they really could be, but they haven't earned it. And they could they, be better than Georgia. They could be better than Georgia, but they haven't earned it. They yep, haven't earned I the right to actually. And even if, and, yeah, and that's a bright. That's the positive of what's happened this year is you still had the chance to, even though they haven't earned it, but they didn't because they're they're just because they're Alabama, they didn't put them in, and that's it. Seems like it seems different. So they it were looking different. at the the resumes honestly. Is yes. basically what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. It's going to come down to. 
Two loss Alabama, two losses by a combined four points on the road to LSU <laughs> like and Tennessee. Three seconds as well, or something like that. A healthy Tennessee on the road versus an Ohio State twenty-two point blowout at home against a team in, that's in which, already in the playoffs. In which they had they had won every other game by a minimum of ten points. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like, I I understand that, but that home field advantage does play a role. In, in the voters' mind. I was kind of surprised. I thought they were going to hurt or punish OSU for losing the way they did at home more than they did, in my opinion. I, like, I expected Alabama to be ahead. I really did. Yeah. Even with the two losses compared to the one because of what Michigan did embarrassingly. But at the same time, all right. It's a body of work. Yeah. Who, what do you want to happen? Do you just want it to finish the way this four is, or do you want one of these TCU or USC to lose and OSU sneak in? You get two Big Ten teams. I've been calling for that all year. Two Big Ten teams deserve to get in this year. The only two Big Ten teams that deserve to even play after <laughs> this past weekend get into the playoff. I think it's good for the Big Ten. Do I care? No. I, like I'd be happy if Ohio State doesn't get in. That makes me really happy. But, like, there's a part of me that's like, suck at SEC. We two Big Ten teams in here now. Well, I mean, S- USC is uh, going to be a Big Ten team. Big Ten that's team. A great three of them. Ooh. Maybe TCU that's, loses. That's, that's why Big Ten teams. That is why I don't want the structure to change. I want those same four teams in. Yeah. And I think Michigan's the best team out of those four, hands down. I, I agree. And I would like to see a Michigan-USC championship game. Welcome USC, but hold the upper hand. That's all we need, right? That'd be sweet. Man, USC looks. They look good. They, they, they look do like look. It. They yeah, do look good. Their offense looks really. Caleb good. Williams is they the best look player good. in America right now. But then they got to block. They got to block that offensive line in Michigan. And their yeah. defense, and their defense isn't even close to what Michigan puts on the field. Hundred percent, I agree with that completely. I think the matchups here are, are exactly what Michigan wants. But when you're talking honest. about big playability and and man, take control of a situation. I think is the, there anybody better than Caleb Williams right now? No, there's not. There's not. Because like people think that CJ Stroud's mobile, he's far far from mobile. People that that he's watch, shaky. he's not mobile. Caleb Williams is is the guy that you're. I, look, I'd be afraid of him for sure. I think yeah, CJ Stroud just makes room in the in the backfield to move around and throw the ball. Yeah, where Caleb Williams can burn you. Yeah. both ways down the field. So Ryan, what do you want to happen? I kind of want it to stay exactly the way it is right now. I want I want Georgia and uh, USC to play each other. I want TCU and Michigan to play each other first. <laughs> That'd be nice, right? Right, and I, and I just think you know we would match up really well in that game, in my opinion, and and then let a couple of powerhouse teams battle it out to see who, you know, I, I don't want to not earn a national champion or championship. Yeah, I want to I want to face the best team, but I don't know who that is. I, it's it's us. Other than Michigan, who's the next best team? It's either Georgia or USC in my mind. So yeah, I'd I love agree. to see them battle it out for the chance to play us. I think that, I think we've earned that. USC is a lot closer to Alabama than we realize because they were in a lot of close games that they barely snuck out. You know what I mean? Like they've just happened to sneak out one more than Alabama oh, yeah. did. You know what I mean? UCLA it's like, too. Yeah. So I don't know. I. They're, they're like Oklahoma. I was calling they're Oklahoma for, of the past. Yeah, that's a great point. I, one right. last, one last interesting point on the playoffs, right? And in, in the the SEC championship game, does Brian Kelly come out and tell his guys 
let's go beat these Bulldogs and see where we're at in the SEC. We already beat Alabama. We got one big win on the on the resume. Let's let's go into the off season with what we have and see what we got. If Georgia loses, they're still in the top four. Yeah. Where do you where where do you think they would Michigan go? slides four. Michigan slides up to one. And I put Georgia at two. You'd put Georgia at two if, if as, they lose as the best one loss team. Yeah. What about TCU? Would you even be an undefeated? I think USC is going to move up to three. Like if both teams win. I, I think they're setting that up too. Oh really? I think TCU is going to fall to four. Do is there is there a reason that the committee does not want a Michigan USC championship game? I think they would love a Michigan USC championship game because that would, that, that was my thought it. process. But it, do they do, do they want to avoid that and have not have that storyline leading into and a just, Big Ten collection there? Well, I think they would. I think they would. Yeah. Be six. You, you know what I mean? So is there like what what's going to make more money? I guess is USC moving to three or staying at four? Over and well, over. I mean, you moving, guarantee you guarantee the Michigan USC matchup if if you can put. You old, know what I mean? Old school Rose Bowl. They would love that. They would drool over something like that. Well, it would be the the U, entire United States watching that game. Yeah, and they also would rather SEC getting the easy one because they want a SEC team in the national championship. Yeah, and then because otherwise you lose the South. They could guarantee a Georgia. USC or Georgia Michigan game. Yeah. Man. I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting Man, to see. That like, sucks. <laughs> I I think they put themselves in a position to, it would be very hard for them to move USC ahead of TCU if both teams win. Um I agree, especially but I, if you're a conference champ. I've seen them do some weird stuff though. That I, I it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if they treated TCU like they did Cincinnati last year. Because they, they, Cincinnati they was a, undefeated. But they have a real resume though. They 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 have Texas. They have Kansas State, they have. It'll be Kansas State twice. Baylor, Kansas State twice. Yeah, I mean, I I know it's I just, it's deep. It's way deeper than the Big Ten right now. It is. It's yeah. I I agree with that, but I don't think it's high end. Oklahoma State. I think they showed their, they showed who they are. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I I've, yeah. I don't know. I think the num the little number next to people changes their perspective their their perspective on, on how good these teams are or bad. I just I don't know. I just don't think that. Area is very good at USC football. They played Oregon, right? Yeah, they played Oregon. Oregon. They lost by one. Wait, to Utah. did they play? Did they play Oregon? I'm yeah, they would have sure. to. Yeah, they would have UCLA, to. UCLA, Notre Dame. I mean, it's not like they've had a cakewalk schedule either. I I think the SEC or the Pac twelve is the second best conference in in college depth, football. Depth this year. wise, yeah, and maybe number one if you're really thinking about it. Because Oregon State's better. Than, I mean, they're they're pulling they, off a lot. They of did not play USC this year. Oregon did not. No. Okay. Or sorry, sorry, no. I'm I'm looking at USC's schedule. They did not play Oregon. So Oregon did also did not play play USC then. Yes. <laughs> sorry, I looked right? at it. <laughs> Either way, I I, I don't know. I think if I think if USC dominates that game against Utah, which I expect them to, in TCU. Wins a a close game to Kansas State. I could see them moving USC up, and I could see Georgia dropping back too. I man, I just I really want LSU to win. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch. State of my sports. Can be okay. Sorry, before you start, can we just? Go back to last week when you said who wins this game, and what I 
I I want to just do right, a, yeah. a brag. I want right, I want to yep. brag on my prediction here right, because let me just move it back to the Michigan thing since it's still oh, Michigan, sorry. back okay. to Michigan talk. JJ McCarr I said JJ McCarthy is going to carry this team three touchdown passes. You you did. Yep. I said that there would be uh well, that the overall score was going to be 38 to 24 I believe I said which it ended up being it was 38 to 23 at one point but it ended up being obviously 40 what 3 40 no, it was 38. 45 it? to 23. Was it really no, 45 points? 43, 42. I don't, know what the I don't know. They had 38, and then they and then You, they you were seven. right on, for sure. And the only thing that you, you said wrong. Score sheet says 45-23. Does it? Then it's it's not, that's what it it's was. It's not 45. Yep, 45-23. Okay. Uh. Must, must have been 45. <laughs> no, but uh, and, and then I also said that Oki was going to get a strip sack. Did he really say that? And that's the reason. That's the reason I texted him. Like, why is that not a strip sack? Because that was a hundred percent. He had the strip sack, and they called it dead. Where they blew the whistle yeah. right away. Did you hear the reasoning for that? No. They said his forward progress was stopped. A quarterback. Oh my gosh! As that was the, the worst call I have ever seen. Awful. If that was a close game, and we didn't get an interception on the very next play. I would have lost my ass because that was BS. Yeah. But every little detail I threw in there, except for Corum, you said Corum was gonna have like. I thought he, yards. I said I said he was gonna be a decoy, and I thought he would be a decoy with sixty something yards total. Okay, is that what it was? Total total overall yards rushing and passing. Do I need to do another bumper? Or can I just change the stream? You can just change it. I can just do it that way. And uh, let's talk lines. Real, real quick, did you guys drink this this pr- previous one? The mule de mule de palm. Yeah, I did. What'd you think? Can you can you describe what that was again for everybody? Um, I'll find it. Yeah. So, oh, man, I'm not gonna do. I'm not gonna do it justice. This is the description that John gave earlier, and it's. <laughs> you don't have to read the whole thing. If you don't yeah, it's like it's, a pomegranate mule cider. There you go. Wow, well done, John. Nailed show. it again. Give me a copper kick, mug kick and a, a couple ice cubes. Kick yeah, ginger. next time we'll have to do that. Yeah. What'd you think? I thought it was. I, I so the dryness I liked. Yeah. I don't know if it's just because we went sweeter and then going to the gingery. Uh, taste it didn't taste as good for me. I think if I started with that, it would probably taste a little better personally. Um, but I gave it a seven five, and I think again might be a little too low because I think it's well done. It just the going from one to the other didn't didn't go right for me. I don't know what, what, what about you guys. I'm gonna tra- change my grade on the first one to an eight two, and I'm gonna put that <laughs> one at like a seven six. Yeah, I think it was. Not as good as the first one, I honestly. Agree. Yeah, I agree. Nothing to knock on it. It was a smooth drink. I drink those uh, the pomegranate um, vitamin waters every now and then. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so there was like, oh, that familiarity there, but it's not as good as the first one. Yeah, I'll go 7-7. Seven, seven. Good. Like, if it, it, this is a standalone grade, 7-7 seven, is a, a pretty good score there. It is, yeah. Yep. But compared to the first one, there was something missing. It felt a little disjointed. Like, there was sweetness, but also really bitter and really dry. So I, I wasn't sure what it was trying to go for all the way. But I, I am a big fan of pomegranate, and I know it's naturally dry. So I, I get what where they were going. Yeah, so for the people that, that might have missed the beginning of the episode, um, we're drinking this celebration mode um party pack that that uh Blake's hard cider company did um so we're celebrating Michigan's win i think their celebration is more like thanksgiving stuff i took it as celebrating Michigan's win i don't know but 
That's just, that might just be me. But um, back on Tuesday, or sorry, Thursday, uh, the Detroit Lions lost a hard-fought game against the Bills, 28-25 on a 45-game winning field goal by the Bills after Badgley hit a game-tying 51-yard field goal with just 32 seconds left. After a three-and-out uh, for each team, the Lions took the early lead. Uh, the Bills answered back uh, to tie the game, and then Williams lost his second career fumble of the end of the season uh, in Bills territory. The Bills took advantage, took the lead, and eventually took a 17-14 to lead into halftime. Uh, first drive of the second half, the Lions uh, forced a red zone interception, which led to a safety and a 19-14 lead for the Bills. It looked like the Lions, like the wheels were about to fall off here. Um, after a missed 29-yard field goal, but the defense forced multiple punts, and the Lions took the lead after a chart touchdown and a successful two-point conversion to take the three-point lead. Uh, a touchdown for Diggs and a missed extra point allowed the 51-yard game-tying game field goal. But on the first play, Allen to Diggs for 36 yards to the Lions' 36-yard line and 12 more yards on the ground. The Bills set up Bass. Uh, for the 45-yard field goal, which pretty much ended the game right there. Uh, the Lions end their three-game winning streak, uh, fall to 4-7 and seven on the season, and are pretty much in a do-or-die mode uh, the rest of the year if you're sitting on, on playoffs here. Uh, Jared Goff, 23 of 37, 240 yards, two, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Jamal Williams led the team on the ground with 16 or 18 carries for 66 yards and a touchdown. Um, I'm on Ross St. Brown, another good game. Nine catches for 122 yards and a touchdown. Uh, look, you they were a nine-point underdog, I believe, is what, what it closed at. Uh, at home, and you didn't expect a whole lot. But they showed up. They played good football in this game. And it, it's not it's not a moral victory. That it It is a moral victory, but it's not previous moral victories that we've seen in the past, in my opinion. It's not like a, oh, wow, we played the Chiefs really tough, even though we're 0-4, and we're going to be 0-5, 0-6, 0-7. It's more or less, look, we just beat, we just won three games for the first time in who knows how long, since I was probably five. Three games in a row. At least it feels that way. 2018, 2017, I think, I think. Yeah, five years at least. Yeah, something like that. You This this game on paper would feel like a moral victory if it wasn't coming off of a three-game winning streak. Is basically where I'm at. Look, do I think this team's going to make the playoffs? No. I think they've set themselves up to be in a really tough spot, and it's it feels impossible to make the playoffs. I get that. But it feels like they're building something. It feels like they're becoming a good football team, even when they are missing some talent. They're playing good football. What did you guys think about this game? Like, I don't really have a, a direction I want this to go. I just want to talk about a little bit of what you thought about the game, what you think about this team, and then we'll kind of end it with where it's going moving forward. What did you guys think? I was at my aunt and uncle's house for Thanksgiving, and the game was on the TV inside, on the radio outside, and I'm pretty sure Lomas Brown pronounced... <laughs> Bass? Bad, bad jelly. I'm pretty sure he said, Bad jelly. <laughs> you right, Dan. You right, Dan. Bad jelly, miss that one, and I couldn't stop thinking about the cranberry sauce that was there. <laughs> bad bad jelly. jelly. That's some bad jelly. No, it was a close game. Who sums it up for you? <laughs> yeah, no. <nah>, yeah. <laughs> All right, so that's my takeaway. Ninety-seven won the ticket has a, a drop that is just absolutely because it's um, 
uh, who Lomas Brown. Lomas. And he goes, Dan, that's a big ask. <laughs> but he says it so like, Dan, that's a big ask. Like, and it sounds like a big A word. Every t- dude, it is. You and right, Dad. That's a big <laughs> ass. <laughs> it's so good. Sounds like he's got a turkey leg in there in the back <laughs> corner. So funny. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, for the record, Dan Dan Miller is. I love listening to Dan. Miller. I love I, I love Lomas Brown. Lomas. I love Lomas. I like too. Lomas a lot. It's entertaining. He's, he's a uh, he says a lot of things pretty simple, but he draws them out long enough for you to think about what I got to say about the offensive line. He gets Dan. to the next play. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, <laughs> I'm glad we did that. Well, all right, going going from there. What would you guys think overall? I I think it was a measuring stick stick game because of what the Lions had done leading up to it. So they had a, the, just the start that everybody knows about, battling injuries, you know, whatever. But Dan Campbell has has reached this team. Like the the message is clear. They've turned it around because of the toughness, because of you know some of the minor changes that he made with the defensive side of the ball, and and you know these guys are starting to buy in. It feels like. And, and, and we're getting a lot of production out of the rookies and second-year guys. So there's also something to look forward to long-term. And because of that baseline, especially coming off the Giants' win, where, you know, the, you know Giants are probably the easiest team to pick on with a good record because no, nobody really believes in them. Yeah. But they still had a 7-2 and two record going into that game. Yep. So you can't, you can't say they're a bad team or poorly coached team or they didn't have their own kind of swagger going into it. Lions took that from them and dominated that game. And so now it was like, okay, what kind of team are we really working with when they face some real competition, some real talent that could take over a game? How are you going to react in those situations where you should sack Josh Allen three times and, and, and he you know carves you up and throws a touchdown? Well, I think we saw it is that this team doesn't ever you know break. Like They, they will yeah. just continue to, to go. They might get beat. They might get touchdowns scored against them, but they always come back for more. And, yep. and it seems like Jared Goff, as long as Amon Ross St. Brown is healthy, they can get past the, a lot of those third-down conversions. That mm-hmm. He's like a magician in those scenarios. Um, and, and with Swift coming back healthier and healthier, more of the team coming coming along. They didn't have either Kings one of their, guns, their guards you know, in this game. That came into play a lot early on. If, if Jackson, if Jonah Jackson was – Healthy in the game, that might have been a different did, first half. Did he play? Because I feel like I heard that he didn't play, and I don't remember seeing him. But then when I was looking through like the play chart and stuff, I saw a penalty on him. So I don't know if that was like a mistake. I didn't think he played. Probably forgot to tuck his jersey in. <laughs> I didn't see. I, I didn't don't see remember him. seeing like I. And it, I, I thought he was out. Pre-game. I thought he was too. I yeah. thought they they announced that, and then when I saw that he got a penalty, I was like, did I miss something? Because I, obviously I don't. Notice when I'm sitting watching the game, like he, he the, was out. Who, I don't. He think was he, out. Yeah. Okay, all right. So it's probably a mistake. Okay, but yeah, I mean, with the two guards out, the, in, the, I think that was the most surprising thing was the fact that they did it differently. It felt like they did it through the air more than they did on the ground. Did they, Did you feel that way? I mean, what, what did I say? Williams had. He yeah. only had 66 yards on 18 carries, but the 18 carries, like he, you, you're used to seeing, 24 carries, 25 carries, and then Swift with only five. So it was just like. It seemed like they were aggressive through the air, and they were moving the ball pretty well against, look, this is going to be a Super Bowl team. This team is the Super Bowl favorite right now for betting odds, for reasons. And and you played really good. Yeah, they might be they might have been missing some players too. Obviously, their, their ends, once Von Miller went down, was a big, big deal. But 
Yeah, but we were too. We yeah, were too, we were missing, right? Yeah. And, and it mean, just we, felt, it, I don't want to say the Lions are better than the Bills. I'm not going to say that. And I, th- I think that would be stupid to say. On Thanksgiving, it, it looked like the Lions were the better team, in I, my opinion. I, I, without the, the flashiness of the great quarterback that, that uh, uh, Josh Allen is. You know what I mean? He's the only reason I think the Bills were in that game. I think the Lions, what is clear to me is that they're not – Going into any of these games thinking that they're inferior. Yeah. So to me, it looked like they are taking their one-on-one matchup seriously. They're disciplined on the offensive line. They allow Jared Goff some time to, to work within the offense and the backs to do their thing. And then on top of that, you know, on the on the back end with, you know, Jeff Okuda out in the secondary, he he should have been able to play. Like everybody kind of just – it was, it was just a, a rules thing where he was probably healthy enough to play, but – he had to sit out because of the concussion protocol. So they that didn't that didn't make them lose the game. Like they didn't lose their identity or they didn't they didn't change yeah. they might have changed their game plan, but they still executed it to a T, really, to limit this team as much yeah. as possible. Real real quick side note. If you're gonna have Thursday night football, if you're gonna have Thursday games every single week, you need to have players have the ability to prove that they don't have a concussion between Sunday and and Thursday if they're going to play. You need to change your protocol that that's not always going to be a hinder for the person that plays on that Thursday. For just, I think it's a stupid rule. Did Tua get away with that? <laughs> he got away with murder. I, I thought he did. Didn't he get hurt against the Bills and then come back on a Thursday night game? Yeah, and I, I, feel think, like you're right, I think yeah. that's the reason that's why they changed it, I believe. Yeah, they yeah. called it like a back injury or whatever yeah. that he had off the get-go. So yeah, that's unfortunate. And... I don't know. The fact that Stefan Diggs was kind of shut down through yeah. three quarters. So he had eight, I don't know. He didn't have like a huge box score, but all, I feel like all of his catches came in the fourth quarter. Eight receptions for 77 yards. I think what was the, the, the big play was a 36-yard play. That was the majority of his yards. I agree. They kind of shut him down. If you would have had a CUDA, it would have helped a ton. Isaiah, Isaiah McKenzie led the way with six receptions and 96 yards and a touchdown for, for the, the Bills receivers. Akuda was a it was a massive piece in this. He's and, like their f- like fourth option, I think, when it comes to their passing game. Right yeah, behind he just Diggs, basically became the Gabriel, and then Dawson Knox, their tight end. Like yeah. this is like their fourth guy. So it was basically just, just goes, the hole that they 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 knew was there. For yeah, them. it just goes to show where their secondary was at, or well, I guess lack thereof. Yeah, and really the 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 fumble by Jamal Williams was obviously a backbreaker in a crucial moment here, but. Um, I just I'm really proud of the way this team's playing. I I know I hate saying that after a loss because you you're this is a, a win league. You have to win to show so show something. I think there were a lot of mistakes. I I was I'm curious about what you guys think about the pl- the clock management by by uh because obviously Romo was making a huge deal about it at halftime and towards the end of the game about the clock management by um Dan Campbell. Um, so that became a talking point on in Detroit Sports Talk Radio. What did you guys think of it? Because I have an opinion that I I feel like I'm completely wrong because based on what everybody else is saying. I was upset live in the moment, especially at the end of the game there. Yeah. Why not try to make a better play call to get that last first down? So you're mad about the play call, not the clock management? I'm, I'm more upset with 
yeah, that last play call and the execution, trying to throw the ball, trying to catch them off guard in a, in a league where it's tough to do that against a team that's kind of already playing prevent defense. Yeah. Knowing that they have Josh Allen, worst case scenario, with a little bit of time on the clock and look exactly what happened. Kind of predicted it as it was unfolding. Mm. Um, so, and yeah. In but the, but not the, but you don't have an issue with the clock going down as far as it did leading into that moment because I think that, I mean that's the, well, the argument yeah, right the, the yeah yeah there there was a, and, yeah the timeout issues and not using them well especially in the first half you you got to use them right You're, you you yeah. can't carry them with you in your pocket and so, bring them back out in the second half yeah so so let's start with the first half timing and and I don't have the the whole scenario in place but basically. The lines were driving towards the end of the the first half. It was getting down to the two minute warning or so, and they had three timeouts. I think the the Bills still had three timeouts, and they just they were throwing the ball. They weren't kind of milking the clock that the way the way that they people thought that they should to kind of wear it down, and get the last touchdown, if you will. Um, and I. So obviously Romo's losing his mind, saying this is terrible clock management. You should be calling timeout. You should be milking the clock. You should take this down to the two minute warning. I think that was his big thing was taking it down to the two minute warning. That two minute warning was not good. I think that was the only issue though, personally. I, I think that other other than that, I think that was what fourteen seconds maybe. Well, that, that it, was a the, it resulted in a lot more than that because of the extra play. That was the, that was kind of the point. Okay, because they ran a play with like two oh three on the clock. Yeah, okay. I think that clocks. Yeah, stop. And it was a throw, which meant so you that had to yeah. you had a whole other play to activate the two minute warning. Yep. yep. So Lions ended up getting the touchdown. It gave the Bills plenty of time to go down into field goal range. They didn't use any of their timeouts, anything like that. Look, I thought I agree that it felt like they could have took it down to the two minute warning and, and do it a little differently. Um, he did say um, on ninety seven with ticket. Uh, I think it was today he was on. He was trying to give his team a chance to get a stop and then get more points on top of that. And the way that he was calling it before the two-minute warning was like, we were supposed to score earlier. That was the goal. And that's what was that's when it went awry was when they didn't score on their scoring plays that they were trying to put into play. So they were trying to score with two, three, two, fifty, two, three minutes left, and it wasn't happening. That's when the clock just kind of got down to the two-minute warning. That was the issue, and I, I I actually understood it. A lot of people were angry about that response for for him because, like they they were like, well, you can't leave Josh Allen with that much time. The time didn't hurt. Like what what the Bills went down and did, the time had nothing to do with it because they had plenty of timeouts. There was plenty of time no matter what. So it was like I understood what he was going at. He goes, hey, if we can get a score and then a stop and then another score, that's when we can really take control of the game well and i understood that side of it now i also understand the side of take as much clock as you can and all of those things. i do understand that um but i didn't think it was as, as egregious as romo made it out to be and if he didn't i don't think detroit sports talk radio would have made it that big of a deal either but my my problem with that line of thinking is that you you assume that you can drive the ball down the field against one of the best teams in football and run the clock out at will like like you can't be creative in your play calling or that you can run any and, play at, at yeah. all and run the run the clock down no if you have a three and out you have a three and out so what was most important in that drive is that they were successful in the drive and they moved the ball mm-hmm. and so i don't care if that's throws runs they need to prioritize their offense first and that and i agree with you i think you know that response that he gave is 
fully acceptable to me. The only thing that that you have to be aware of is that as you're running down to the two minute warning, why hurry up and run one more play so that you can you can get a playoff? At that point, you're down to two minutes. You're not going to have that two for one Ooh. special type of uh, scenario anymore. You could you could call three timeouts theoretically and get a ball back with you know maybe thirty seconds or forty seconds left, and maybe that's what he's still thinking. But at that point, prioritize your points. Like I don't know, the the odds of doing that are so low are so low compared to the odds of Josh Allen doing something. You if the if you if your play calls get away from you and you're not doing you're not scoring as early as you think, then you need to allow the the clock to go down to two minutes, regroup, and then you know don't give them two free plays there mm-hmm. without calling timeouts. Yeah, I, I I definitely see both sides. I didn't think it was as big of a deal. But it's not. It's not then, as big of a deal. But then the second half, when it did it again, everybody's obviously going to pile on and be like, he mishandled the clock on end of both halves, and that's what cost this team. Some people are saying that this is a loss on Dan Campbell, and I just I just don't see it that way. Um, it it feels like an execution thing. And and John, you kind of brought up so the uh, to kind of go back to the second half now, the end of the game. Uh, it was a third and one from 40-yard 40, 40 line. I don't know what would make a 51-yard field goal. Um, I've always been bad at that. but Plus 17. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. All right, I'm not even going to try to do that simple math on the air. Um, but anyways, third and one. John, you said that you were frustrated <laughs> with the, the, the play call. Um, and I, I don't want to like start an argument here between us. And I understand like that's what a lot of people are saying, but – I don't think it was the play call. I think it was the play execution. And I know that's a, 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 a easy like way to not question a play call, but I thought Amon Ross St. Brown was wide open. I thought DJ Shark was actually open. It was oh, just yeah. a bad throw. And like if yeah. that connects with either one of those guys, that play call was absolutely brilliant. Now, to, I, yeah. sorry, but the thing that frustrated me was – the lack of aggressiveness after the fact. Yeah, they kicked the field goal, tied it up. I didn't expect him to hit a 51-yard field goal for the record, and he did, and that was great. But I was frustrated that they took that shot and then didn't go for it. I think if you're going to be aggressive, continue to be aggressive. That was his opportunity to oh, go, go and, win a game. Go, go for it on fourth down. Yeah. Yes. And I'm not saying that that was a bad play call, but all day long, Jared Goff was feeding off of Amon Ross St. Brown and Khalif Raymond, mm-hmm. short passes, give guys a quick opportunity to get open, predict that throw, make that throw. Mm-hmm. Now you're telling them to air it out on a three and one, th- sorry, third and one. Yeah. And you're throwing it to your, what, third wide receiver? Um, downfield? Like that far, yeah. In a, uh, it was definitely a miscommunication between the two of them because I were, thought, yeah, I thought Shark was, had him beat. I think Goff didn't get his feet set, which is why he left it short, or he was doing a back shoulder throw. I couldn't tell. It looked like a bad throw to me. Kind of looked like he was throwing off his back foot a little bit too, like not really stepping in and, yeah, and putting one in the, the spot where he could catch him. the ball exactly. Um, so no, I'm not saying exactly like the play call, but again, the execution and maybe Jared Goff's call on the coverage. Mm-hmm throwing that ball as opposed to trying to get something short. And, like, this is where Detroit's offense has always failed is when they have, like, a third and medium to a third and long and they throw it short of the first down. Yeah. Now you have a three and one 
third and one, and you only got to dump the ball a couple yards downfield, now you take those plays. Yeah. Throw it to where you would be short of the first down on a third and six and get that first down, keep the ball moving, keep the clock on your side, kick the field goal in the game. Yeah. I think you either kick a field goal to end regulation or you're going for the end zone personally. I hated the fact that they left they left a 51-yard field goal that shouldn't be made in my opinion, when you have the kicking woes that Michigan or sorry that the Lions have had all season long, I know Bad that jelly. was his first his first miss, I think. Bad jelly in the, in the year, but Bad jelly, yeah. Bad but jelly. like, I don't know. It just felt like it was an opportunity for his aggressiveness to pay off, and it felt like he he didn't. I, I disagree, though. What what are you going to get by going for it on fourth down? Because you're you're only on the thirty five yard line. You have you have major execution to still get a touchdown in that scenario to win the yeah, game. Yeah, but I don't want to leave a 51-yard field goal to tie the game. Yeah, either. but but we have the benefit of seeing that he made it. So I don't, what what is the problem with I guess I'm not saying, I'm not trying to use that though. I'm trying saying did you think he was going to make that field goal? No, I didn't think he had a chance exactly. in the world. I thought they So were like when go he was fourth. getting trotted out there it was like what are they doing, Yeah, right? but, but they, they obviously thought that they had a, at least a scenario, a chance of tying the game to go into overtime. And on top of that, they left enough time to, you know, also that was a chunk play. So if he would have caught that ball, that would have been on the 15, 10, 15, 10 yard line. If not a touchdown, the way that he had that guy turn around and, and like if you yeah. let him, let's say, let's say yeah. he falls down as he's catching it and it's like a 15 yard on the 15 yard line. Now you have two timeouts so you can work the middle of the field seconds. I think it was 28 seconds yeah. left. It really 32 seconds left. I think is what is they ended up putting back on the clock. 32 seconds left with two timeouts From at the 15-yard line. Yeah. Like, now you have four downs to make something happen. Yeah, so, and if you get so to I fourth down it, there, if it. you get to fourth down there, you kick the field goal. So it wasn't just about getting the first down, because if you just get the first down, you solid everything to get the one yard or the two yards on that play. Now now what? Time, you 30, lose a timeout. Yeah. You, you have way you have more 30, field goal. 35 yards to go. So, I, I so agree to completely. me, it's like... I don't know. I he gave himself as many options as possible in that moment. If you're going to question anything, you would question why did you not hit Amarase Brown? No, why did you need a chunk <laughs> play in that scenario? Why did you need a chunk play? Because you could have called a timeout really early on with a minute left or a minute seven okay. remaining when they and, were all like resetting to the, to yes. the ball. Yeah. Yes. So if yeah. they would have done it at that point, then you would have been able to run a, a little th- two yard third down play, and then. Regather, spike the ball, have three, three, one timeout and three plays left at the 20, 25 yard line. Like they, they could have given themselves a different route for the same opportunity. So, uh, do you put partial blame on, on, on Dan Campbell here? No, I don't think so. I, for me, this is not a game that was won or lost by the coaching staff. They act, they, the players on the field executed to tie the game up against an elite. Competitive uh, competition, and then they what did they do? They they left them twenty three seconds. That's not that much. <laughs> it's really 23 not twenty three seconds. Five years ago in the NFL, nobody would have assumed that was that was doable Enough. without uh, a f- uh, hail mary at the end. Well, they would everybody would kneel it and take it overtime. Yeah, they would. So only with Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes has this become a legitimate option to move the ball down the field in twenty three seconds. Just so happens that it's happened to the Lions. In yeah. yeah. Well, it, well and, Matt, and Stafford's done it a couple times too. Yeah. In pulled, pulled field. Out of his hat. Yeah. But I mean, again, this is something where we set ourselves up to at least give ourselves another chance at this. The players executed on the field. The game was tied. 
23 yeah. seconds left. Yeah. It took, and I think the the announcers did a great job of saying, you know, there's maybe four or five quarterbacks in the history of the NFL that could make this throw over the middle. And how as hard as he had to throw, freaking it. close was Kirby Joseph to getting that. I mean, like, his hand it was, was there. It just it, went, it almost looked like Diggs was kind of surprised that that got through to him. Yeah. He was like, oh, I got it. And that was probably their one shot, and if they got an incomplete pass, they probably would have taken it to overtime. They're like, we got one chance here. This is the throw. If it doesn't work, then we're going to just move on. I agree. And that was how close they were to winning this football. Or Having a chance. Getting this game to, to overtime. Um, so, I don't know. It, I think it was a measuring stick game going back to the very beginning. I think it was a measuring stick game for the Lions to understand if this strategy, if this uh, regime is onto something. And I think they are. These players believe that they can compete against the guy next to him or, they, or across from them. Yeah, I mean, they covered the spread, right? The Lions did. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I feel that's the biggest part because there, there really haven't been – if you watch the weekly matchups, there really haven't been many games that have flirted with that double-digit – Spread. Spread. Yeah. And being a nine-point spread, I think when we had our – uh, picks in it was like maybe nine and a half yeah something like that but i mean that that's damn near a double digit lead again against a team i mean let's face it everybody will pick buffalo to beat detroit yeah that's why that was num that number was so high yeah. um so it was just good to see that they're at least trying to compete with the best of the best like yeah. you said so i did want to real quick talk about the playoff picture um obviously we're, we're out of the division for, unless something absolutely crazy happens with, with Minnesota. But what we're looking at here is is there's three wild card positions. I would say um, Eagles slash Cowboys will will get that that first wild card spot. I think Cowboys are at seven wins. I think they're seven and three. Um, Eagles are, I think, ten and one or something like that. I think they might have one more game. It doesn't matter. Um, but it just feels like you're fighting for these last two um wild card spots and Michigan or sorry the Lions are on the graphic so um currently you have the Giants at seven and four um in the sixth seed and then Washington Commanders jumping up um to the uh seventh seed with a seven five overall record and you sitting here looking at the Lions at four and seven which I know doesn't feel like they, they should have a chance here um you also have the Seahawks ahead of them and the Falcons currently ahead of them like Really, you, you look at the Giants in, in Washington, Lions have head-to-head -head over them. That could be very big moving moving forward here um, because I, I'm not saying that the Lions are going to do this. I, I'm just saying it's still on the table. So you got Jags, Vikings, Jets, Panthers, Bears, Packers. From what we've seen for the last four games for this team, I'm not saying they're going to lose any of like, – there's not one of these games that I'm like, ah, it's a loss. Ah, they're not going to win this game. They They'll, got a chance. They will. They have a chance yeah. to do this. Now, winning six straight or whatever, that's unheard of for the Lions, and I get that that would be ridiculous. But the schedule lays out. The playoff picture lays out. I don't think this team's dead yet. I really don't. Now, I think they're one loss from <laughs> away, basically, from, from this really – um, falling out, falling yeah. out, and then I'm cheering for draft pick. <laughs> like that's where I'm at. I'm, I'll give this team one more. Um, but it's fun to keep it, keep an eye on it. And whether you think a four and seven team should be in contention, I believe this this four and seven team actually tr 
could sneak in. Well, think of all of them. Uh, well, not all of, but some of those close losses that they've had in the season and where we really could be right now. We could be the Giants in this playoff picture. We could easily have six wins. Yeah, or Maybe we seven. could we could be between them and the Commanders, and they wouldn't be in there either. And we'd have a legitimate, you know, fair fair fight <laughs> at at the dog. But yeah, that's true. Yeah, we, we those, talk about that all the time with the Lions. Mm. I, I feel like that is, but I feel like the Lions get the wins that we got three weeks prior to Thanksgiving. We get at the end of the year, and it's just like, oh man. Well, imagine those other couple games that we could have had. Yep. We got them a little bit earlier, so there's still a little bit of time left. Keeps you on the edge of your seat, but it's just like, once again, same old lines. Think about those games that we could have won, should have won. Yeah, I mean, your back's against the wall here. You're going to have to to basically win out to to sniff it. But honestly, I, I'm not counting this team out yet. I'm not there. And thankfully, the Rams continue to suck. They just that, lost. That's so huge. C- Cup is out basically for the year. They haven't officially ruled it yet. Stafford concussion protocol again. Hopefully he gets healthy. Don't want to wish a concussion on anybody. Um, but then Allen Robinson's out too. Unless it improves your draft pick. Yeah. So I, like, I wouldn't mind. Look, I mean, get out Gosh, what if their center had a concussion, you know? They'd probably <laughs> still have a dog in the fight. But I think we want their center to keep playing. But <laughs> cause he, Did he say center? Oh, I don't know. But oh. Matt Stafford's out with a concussion? Poor guy. Yeah. All right. Aaron so Donald. back to Detroit where you play through those injuries. <laughs> Come on, Matt. So – as we sit right here, overall, the Lions would have the second, right? The second overall pick. Whoa! I didn't realize that. Second and like nine. Yeah. Well, so technically 10. they're 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 thirtieth, but with the Bears thirty uh, first, and then Texans thirty uh, second. But they've played one more game than the Bears. Or sorry, the Bears have played one more game. So then that loss, um. Gives them a, a worse winning percentage, even though they're both sitting at three wins. Four wins. Three wins. Oh, yeah. With they the each have three wins. Yeah. Rams and Bears both have three wins. Also, the Broncos are in there with three wins as well. So, um, Well, they're not getting another one anytime <laughs> soon. <laughs> right. Man, they're bad. But like you look ahead at this. Uh, sorry, I'm going to do this. But the, the Rams schedule here, you got the Seahawks. Hopefully, they get a win, even though we kind of want Seahawks to lose. Um, Raiders, I think, like, I just don't see them winning another game. And then you got Broncos and Rams in a few weeks. That could be something that we're going to be watching very, very closely. Yeah, so, true. Um, I don't know. The, well, this, Houston Texans have the first overall basically locked up yeah. at this point. And then what will they do? Take Bryce Young, right? Yeah, because and they, then they, who they got do we Davis get? Mills. Tim Anderson from, from Bama. I thought that was the goalie for the Boston oh, Bruins it, or what, something. What's his real name? Is that his name, isn't it? Tim Anderson? It's definitely Anderson, but that didn't – It didn't sound right. I, I thought you meant to say C.J. Stroud. No, I don't want a quarterback. Not this year. Next year. We is can it, get into that. I think Tim it's Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson, Anderson. I'm 99% the shortstop Anderson. from the White Sox. I'm 99% it's Tim Anderson. We're going to look this up. This is good radio. Yeah, we got to – It's not Tim Anderson, is it? No. Darren, Will Will Anderson, Will Anderson, oh. Will Anderson Jr. You say Tim Anderson like he's a shortstop from the White Sox. <laughs> I'll take him too in Detroit. He's good, yeah. Let's let's get him out there. Drinking craft beer, having fun, and talking sports in the state of Michigan. <laughs> You're listening to State of My Sports. All right. Not going to do this like we normally do. Nobody really cares. Look, MSU, 
went to Happy Valley, Valley and lost 35-16 as Penn State scored uh, the first 14 points of the game and the last 14 points of the game. Um, what was the over-under going into it? The, like the over-under or the spread? What was the spread? Uh, Penn, Michigan State was minus 19. Wasn't nineteen? So it was like seventeen right maybe? on, somewhere right. around there. All right, but anyways, uh, nobody cares. Honestly, nobody cares at all. And I, I get, I get that. But MSU's turnovers really bit them in the butt. Um, it, I feel like this game, in a, in a in a nutshell, was their season. It was ooh, not looking good, not looking good. Oh, but we have some hope. And then, then it's just really bad again. And that's exactly what happened in this game. They were eighteen. They got to within a couple a couple points. Oh, uh, they got it to within one score, and then um, completely dropped the ball and, and it just the interception and just like they're just they're just not they're just not to win a good right team. Yeah. They're not a good team at all. And now that that finish they finish at uh, what is it five and seven? Is that correct? So that's not bowl eligible. Um, but I did find that uh, college football bowl projections, they have 79 eligible teams um, for the 82 spots that are available. So there will be, what is that, three teams that are not currently bowl eligible that will get a bowl invite. And, and uh, they basically, and I, I thought this was interesting at least to share, uh, they base that off of the uh, academic progress rate, which is the APR, um, which would put Rice, who has the the highest the the best APR among teams that are five and seven, oh, yeah, followed Rice. by UNLV, Michigan State, and Auburn. So you kind of have those four teams there fighting for that whoa Auburn bowl eligibility whoa opportunity. <laughs> so. I didn't realize Auburn wasn't bowl eligible. Isn't yet. that crazy? Yeah. Um. So look, it, they're a better team than Michigan State. I agree with that. Uh. But I mean, like, I, I don't. Is there anything to talk about, or is it just basically nope. we'll put a bow on this season when it's time? No, like I said, I didn't realize. I forgot they played. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was I was in Alabama, I, so I, I did watch a little bit of it. But. So speaking of that, I, so in Alabama, this was hilarious. I went terrible reception there, so I had to go find a place to watch the Michigan game. Yeah, and so Ari and I went out to this like steakhouse. It was awful. It was like a buffet style. We just gritted through and just sat in the through the first half and then we found an Applebee's and we went to Applebee's for the second half. We ordered some food and stuff and it was like we had two uh TV there were like three or four TVs like the main TV had Michigan Ohio State but you know they're playing like music in the background so I can't hear oh, the announcers geez, and stuff. Really? Yeah. Well at three o'clock right when the coverage starts for the Alabama Auburn, Auburn game, game it was like music off, game on Every TV in the whole place, probably 24 TVs, well, 22 of them had the Alabama-Auburn game pregame on. <laughs> well, as I'm listening to Bryce Young's you know, life story and everything as they're setting up this game in Alabama. Meanwhile, you know, Ari and I are watching the two, one of the two <laughs> small, <ones>. small TVs <laughs> that are playing this game, and we're like you know, cheering, and, the, and everybody in there just had a, had a great time watching our reaction. That's awesome. Because they learned really quickly that we were Michigan fans, and, and they were all rooting against against Ohio State, which Everybody also does. is a theme down there. They is can't it? stand Ohio State. Um, they were root for Michigan, too, and they were all, like, you know, watching us, smiling, laughing, even clapping, you know, as Donovan Edwards is breaking <laughs> off an 85-yard run. So that was that was the the kind of, I don't know, what, what I was going through with my son 
uh, watching the game. It was a ton of fun, but you know, I, obviously, I would rather have been able to listen to the game and I don't know, experience it the same way everybody else did. But I uh, did the best I could. Yeah, that's that's awesome. We have to I'm listen. To ask you about that. We have to listen back to the Spartans season preview and go over uh, win loss yeah, predictions. Yeah, I, w- I want to do that for next, next week. Next week, if they're not in the bowl in a bowl game, I, like I feel like I, we had a lot to talk about here. Um, this week we'll have a little bit of football to talk about next week, so I'll, I I want to put it on there, but I don't want to guarantee it either if we run out of time. Well, we don't week, have so. to like play it. I think we should just go back and maybe listen to I it did, between now yeah. and next week and I see s- what everybody said for one last total. I actually started listening to it today, and then I was like, got about ten minutes in. I'm like, there's no way we're gonna have time to, to get into all of this in depth. Stuff. Oh no 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 no! So, definitely so not, I was just definitely like, not tonight. So I no, literally just I don't want to think it about off. it. I yeah. don't want to think about it. No, but th- that's basically all we got for for Michigan State. I, I mean, there's really nothing nothing else to talk about. Go blue. Drinking craft beer, having fun, and talking sports in the state of Michigan. You're listening to State of My Sports. Have we have we have we, have we drank any of this one yet? Actually, this is our last one, right? So That's we'll do this our during our beer one. our yeah. beer grade segment. We right? gotta grade that peach one, the peach party. Oh yeah, all right, yeah, it's grade grade the peach party. The Explain peach, that one. The real peach quick. party from our backyard since 1946. It's a uh, sweet peach and bold blackberry cider with a story to share. Go to blakeshardcider.com. That was well done, man. I don't know why I ever read anything on this podcast when I have you there. Just silly of me. I don't read anything either. It comes all off the top. <laughs> um, betting hero segment. Can, Ryan, eyes. can you explain betting hero real quick while I write down Micah's picks? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Bettinghero.com. Promo code and my bets. Yeah. Check it out. Call us out. Get us some money. Get yourself <laughs> some money. We don't believe it's just that you'll do it, but I don't no, know. We're, and we're, really we're all just a little bit north of 500 besides Kyle, so don't listen to our picks and put money on them this week. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Hey, we're we're a little Micah, farther north than that. Micah is having a really good year, fifty six and forty. I've had a couple bad weeks. Uh, a couple you weeks have. ago, I remember I said this is my chance to get one on Micah, and then I picked like four against him, and I lost like seven. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> uh, Ryan, you are in second at fifty three and forty three nice. overall after a five. So everybody had a five and three week except for me. Um, I went three and five. Um, John, you jumped me officially. You are at fifty one and forty five. I am fifty and forty six, and Kyle back up to five hundred. Hey, look at, at that! Forty eight. Hey, that's a and great. 48. He great hasn't got batting, his picks this week though. Great batting average for a Yankee. It right? is right. <laughs> Small ballpark. Small ballpark. <laughs> right field. Thursday night football. You got the Bills at the Patriots. Patriots plus five. Micah is taking the Bills. Ryan, what are you going to do? Yeah, I'm going to take the Bills. John. They've played in a lot of close games, right? The Bills, they've lost some that they should have won. Give me the Bills. They also had a week. They had a week to recover for this game. Yeah, they did. Did the Patriots too or no? Patriots played on Thursday as well. Okay. so Thursday night, though, so they lost a couple hours. Yeah, a couple couple hour difference. Um, (sighs) On the field? All right, first of all, I hate five. For a home team. For a home team. That is like, that screams take the underdog. That screams take the home team. 
I just don't want to lose a game on you guys by going with one of my theories here. So I'm going to go Bills. All right, this is the order. I'm going to tell you guys Micah's pick, then it's Ryan, then it's John, then it's me. I don't, I'm not going to say it moving forward, so just so you know. Third, second, third, fourth. Yeah, that's All fair. Right. Got it. Next game, you got the Chiefs at the Bengals. Bengals, home underdog, plus two. Mike is taking the Chiefs. Give me the Chiefs. Is Jamar Chase back this week? Yes. Yes. Is that Sunday night? No. Oh, day game. Give me the Bengals. I am taking the Chiefs. I don't know why. That's the, I'm doing the opposite of what I usually do. Um, which is probably a good idea. Uh, next one, we got Dolphins at the 49ers. 49ers, a four-point favorite. Micah's taking the Dolphins. Taking the Dolphins. Hey, this is two quarterbacks. All they do is just win, baby. But give me Jimmy G in San Francisco, 49ers. <laughs> I'm taking the 49ers as well. Let's go, Sam. I, I think they're gonna they're starting to ramp things up a bit here. And I'm not sure about the Dolphins yet. Still don't buy in. Anyways, they're just really good. Last NFL game, you got the Jags at the Lions. Lions, one and a half point underdog. <laughs> Micah's taking the Lions. Man, Jags are very similar to the Lions. They're surprising a lot of people this year just with how competitive they are. At the Lions, though, I'm going to take them. I'm going to take the Lions. What did Micah take? The Lions? Yeah. All right, give me the Lions. Uh, Travis Etienne for the Jags is dealing with a foot injury. I have him on my fantasy squad. Good he put up point .3 points. I lost by point .7 this past weekend. Dang. Got hurt Whoa. after two carries. Point .7? Point .7. That sucks. That's devastating. So the Lions. I think, I think he'll be back. They're saying that it's not a serious injury, but I don't think he's going to be 100%. I think the Lions going to. I think Lions win this game. I think the wrong team is favored. I think it's an embarrassment that the Jags are favored. So I'm taking the Lions. Moving to the Pac-12 championship. This is Friday at 8 o'clock. You got Utah versus USC. USC minus three. Mike is taking USC. Man, Utah is so well coached in these kind of games. But I'm, I'm going to take USC. I believe in, I don't know, I believe in the Lincoln-Riley formula. Johnny. They lost by one. First matchup. They're going to win by 17. Give me USC. Really? I'm, I'm going to take Utah. I think USC wins, but I think Utah keeps it close. Moving to the Big 12 championship. Nooner on Saturday. You got K-State at TCU. TCU minus two and a half. Not at TCU. Sorry, versus TCU. Mike is taking Versus. TCU. Uh, K-State. You took mine, Ryan. Give me Kansas State. Wildcats. Get your head in the game. Wildcats. <laughs> Wait for that one. <laughs> I didn't, it just hit me. Like I wasn't planning. I didn't set that up at all. I'm I, kinda, I want TCU to win, though. I want that top four to stay the same, but... I'm taking TCU. Big 12, Big 12 is so crazy. I just yeah. feel like this is one to just uh, stir the pot. Kyle's going to make all of his picks opposite of mine, and I'm going to finish in last place. <laughs> it's going to be a big sweep. That sounds like something Kyle would do once he hears this, if he ever does. 
Um, SEC championship game, 4 o'clock on Saturday. You got LSU versus Georgia. Minus 17 and a half. Too much. Micah's taking LSU. Dang, Micah. Yeah, I'm going to take LSU too. I mean, Georgia, they, they could do it, but they're one week removed from scoring 16 points against Kentucky. So to, to cover by 17 and a half, too much. John, you said too many. Is that is that what you're going with? Yeah, give me Brian Kelly and the LSU Tigers. Yeah, I'm taking LSU as well. Um, just way too many points. The SEC just – I feel like they kind of cheat the system and try to make each other look better by playing close games. So. <laughs> Have to. Moving on to our last pick of the, the week. You got the Big Ten Championship, 8 o'clock, Purdue versus Michigan. Versus Michigan. Thank you. Does that really bother you? Yeah, it does, yeah. Really? Yeah. Verse? It's not verse. It's verses. Verse is part of a song, right? Yeah. Interesting. Purdue versus Michigan, minus 17. It's kind of been moving around a little bit. 16 and a half, 17. Is it going to move up? I got to know this. I think it's going to stay at 17, personally. Are we holding to these numbers? Yeah, we always hold the one we Okay. Yeah. Uh, On that note, no, go ahead. (laughs) <laughs> Mike is taking Michigan. Yeah, same Michigan. Man, Micah and I, I, I went against him just to go against him, at, like once, but I think it's only one. Man, You're right. Does Purdue lose by sixteen? Jake Moody's gonna have four field goals. So that's what twelve points. <laughs> Michigan's got to get three touchdowns. Give me Michigan. I haven't really picked against them much. I know it cost me against Illinois, but might have been the only time all year. I think Michigan could have a couple defensive scores here. Ooh. I think this game could get out of hand. Sanis Drill or whatever his yeah, name is. I don't know if it'll be him or not. I've heard Sane. I've heard Sane Strill. I've heard Sanis Drill. I've heard Sanis Trill. Like, it's like trill. I was actually surprised when I started. Like Every time I checked the spelling, it spelled way different than I expect. It's like San... It's like Sant Rissel. Like, I don't know. It's weird. I say sta- same, Sander still. I say Sandra still, even though it's S-A-N-T or something like Sain, that. It's like Santistril. Sant Ristel? Saint Strill. Saint Strill is good. I wonder if it is like a spinoff of a last name of Saint something. Brown? Maybe maybe he's related to Saint I'm Brown. I'm on Ra. Did we grade the peach one yet? Um. No. <laughs> we didn't even grade the peach one? Yeah, we did. No, I didn't give a grade. Yeah, I didn't either. Oh. I wrote it down. I didn't say Let's it. Let's quickly give our peach grade. Actually, well, both. Of hold them. on. Let me just get into the... Let me just do a bump here. Can I do that? In the American Apple. All right. If it's craft beer in Michigan sports, we may not be the authority, but we love both like a fat kid loves cake. Hot, hot! This is State of My Sports. What we just bumped to beer grades? Yeah, we're in, in beer grades now. Let me move that there. There we go. Nice. Free for reminder. We have been sipping on this celebration mode. Pick up poor party pack, uh, which is from Blake's Hard Cider Company, which is in where? Armada, Michigan. Amanda. Armada. Armada, Michigan. Yeah. G- um, GMC Armada. Ooh, I got a little story. Um, Amanda. <laughs> Like Amanda. <laughs> From our backyard since 1946. Born on the 
A third-generation farmstead, Blake's Hard Cider offers an adventurous exploration of fruit and fermentation. We're innovative farmers that embrace the sweet nectar from our soil and strive to be true stewards of cider. For over 75 years, years, Blake Farms has taken pride in growing, picking, and pressing our own apples to consistently introduce an authentic experience. Enjoy the fruits of our labor mindfully. I feel like that was one of my best reads. That was ever. one of your best I reads. I feel like you were... I, and thought, I thought it was I could, hilarious that you just got done with your own spiel while you're never going to read again. I could feel how proud you were over my shoulder <laughs> as I was reading that. Like, I just saw you guys kind of, like, glance at each other. I was like, oh, this is happening. Keep Some, it going. Something's happening here. So we started with the uh, Three Grand Cherry, which is their Imperial Cherry and Orange. Then we had the Three Mule de Palm, which is a pomegranate mule. Uh, three... Peach party, which is their peach and blackberry. Uh, we have not graded that one yet. Let's 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 grade that little thingy there. So this one is six point five percent alcohol by volume. What did what did you guys give that one? I mean, we haven't really actually graded. I'm gonna go with a seven four. I think Ooh. I think we should have start. I th- I think we did this wrong. I really do. You gotta start in the middle of the pack. Yeah, I think we should have started on on a different one. I think we should have started with the palm. On ice. And then went to the peach, and then to the cherry, and then finished with the apple. Yeah, but that's because that's the way you want to grade them. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I gave the peach a 7.9. 7.9? Yep. I went from good to okay to better, and then I'll save my last. I I couldn't agree more. And my last grade was 7.7, so I'll go an 8.0. So you like the peach better than the the mule? The peach was better than the mule, uh, but the cherry was... Man, the cherry was really good. I thought the cherry was really good too. And and actually, like we're gonna come up on the apple, but the the comparison between the cherry and the apple is what I'm really interested in. And yeah. It was too far apart. I I really don't know. Great start, great finish. Yeah, it's tough. All right, so then explain what the apple one is. Can you can you read that one a little bit? Yeah, I mean it's an American apple, Imperial Hard Cider. Cider. It's an eight uh, percent. It's got a long description i'm not going to get into the whole thing but it's basically just a blend of apple variants um varieties yeah i just went with the variants from michigan and it it offers just a balanced sweetness and contains no artificial flavors so um it, it seems like they're trying to go as like uh that this is their classic right the american apple their classic blend yeah and it's a hard apple cider and it's really good pure apple was my favorite. Uh, yeah, really. The give apple it a grade? one's your favorite. Yeah, it took the it took the cake, or I mean pie, right? Apple cherry. Pie. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. I think you should go pie. Pie. Pie fits better. Thanksgiving. I went with an eight point four. Took the Ooh. took the clean sweep. A lot of high scores. They were all they were all pretty good. I would have liked to try the the palm mule or mule de palm on some on ice. On on some ice. ice. Yeah, yeah, ice cold. That. that one would be good. I think the peach one's a great one. Maybe that one to start. And then try the palm, either yeah. one, off the get-go, but finishing with the cherry and the apples, yeah. yeah. What do they say? The apple on top. Yeah. <laughs> is that what they say? No, they don't. Uh-oh. Cherry on top? I, well, what I think is interesting is the cherry had the sweetness that we all kind of commented about, and the apple is very familiar. Dry? Well, I mean, it's got some sweetness, but it's so nor- it's so apple. So, I mean, it doesn't feel like uh, brings, flavoring. Yeah, it brings you just through the the fall harvest. You yeah, know, harvest time. So, I'd love to I'd love to taste both of those back to back because I think 
that comparison would be interesting. Um, my favorite is the Apple, though. I think it's 8.6. Like, I'm a huge fan. Overall, Blake's, to me, it's kind of – I they're on my radar now. I Yeah, uh, going back to the, the festival down at the DeVos place, uh, like, Blake's was lined up on the same wall with Vandermill. I'm a fan of Vandermill. I think Blake's is – taking the reins interesting on really yeah, for michigan yeah michigan ciders so i i did like the apple i did i, I liked it just right up there with the cherry i think they were both i, I gave them both point eight point all personally that they're great what about interpersonally i don't have an interpersonally oh. opinion so you not a cider guy i'm wondering that are you like? Are you just saying that to not be a cider guy? Or, no, no, or no. I, would I, you prefer this over beer? No. Oh, you're asking Sam directly. Yeah. Taste wise, I think I would honestly. I'm I'm at the point where I'd I'd rather have a cider than beer right now. Honestly, d- over the course of 183 episodes, I <laughs> I I don't crave beer like I used to. <laughs> more work now like I, too many ipas based on, based on like the too many the, bvus like, yep all, yeah <laughs> and when IBUs. i when i drink beer like i i want a light beer absolutely that's kind of what i've i've grown accustomed to to craving and wanting but shout um, out to anybody no. that wants to sponsor our yeah, show for like, a week and crap. send us ipas or double ipas <laughs> yeah, we'll we drink them anyways cider guy. <laughs> yeah. um no i mean yeah just like I don't know, just sipping on something, I would choose something like that. Like this is something that I would be like, all right, I'm gonna go have a drink by myself. Where a beer is like, I'm not gonna go crack a beer and sit and watch a game by myself. That's just not something I do. But like a cider, I'd be like, oh yeah, I'll pour that. It's it's almost like wine. It's like, eh, nobody's gonna judge me drinking a cider sitting here by myself. Where if you're drinking a beer. You just look trash. You know what I mean? Like, have you ever seen like the, <laughs> like, have you ever seen those like memes on Whoa, the the Instagram? Judgy. <laughs> have you ever seen those like on the Instagram or something where it's like I'm something? A cl- I'm a closet drinker too, Sam. Don't <laughs> worry. <laughs> well, no, it's like <laughs> it's trash. Says, what is something that you can this do? Podcast is my AA meeting. Let's face it. <laughs> that, like, if you're rich, it's classy. If you're poor, it's trashy. And it's like drinking in a tub by yourself or something like that or drinking by yourself at night well it's like yeah if you're sitting in a tub drinking red wine it's classy but if you're sipping on a beer a 25 ounce bush latte like, it's yeah. trashy yeah. i don't know it's kind of you feels know you're like, having four more of them things. like i could get away with just sipping on one of these and random night or something i don't know i don't know where i'm going i just know that i can't drink too many <laughs> ciders back to back i gotta mix something in there with them or else I'm going to feel a little stomach uh, sourness, hmm. you know, when I go to bed that night. So It's not a good thing. No, <laughs> no. That's why I stick to beer. That's Because you're trashy. That's what beer makes me. <laughs> I am trashy. Walmart Wolverine. Yeah. Give me the bush lights. No, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see how I feel tomorrow with all these sweetness of ciders and stuff. We'll see. It was a fun episode. I enjoyed it. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to do a little breakdown here. Blake Cider, Blake Corum. Let's go. Whoa. Let's go. <laughs> Another. Wow. Never mind. I'm not going to talk about that. Um. All right. So the Cherry, uh, their average that we, our average grade was at 8.1. Um, the Mule got a 7.6 average. The Peach got a 7.7 average. 
and the Apple got an 8.3 average, which gives the Pack grade a 7.925. Pack 12? Is it a 12 geez, pack? You're just relating to everything to, to sports. So. Dang. Um, I don't know if that's good compared to other Pack scores. I, I don't know. but No clue. Anyways, that was fun. I, I really liked it, though. I mean, I enjoyed it. Looking I at all these, uh, most of the time in your pack, you're going to find a, a weak link. Yeah. You could say that it's the mule, but, I mean, we didn't even drink it the right way. I think if we put that on ice this weekend, yeah, watching the game or yeah. something. I don't you know. think there's I don't think there's a weak link in the bunch. So I agree. I would, drink, I would recommend all of these. It's if good, if good you're pack. feeling a cider, I think it's a great way to go. But, cool. Get Fun the whole episode. pack. Get the whole pack, buy it from wherever you want to buy it from. Always a good know. week, right? Michigan pulls out the dub against Ohio State. Love that. We celebrate. Got, we, let's just celebrate Cele- that. Let's let's never forget where it was. Celebration we've done. mode. That was episode 183. Celebration mode. I Thank want you guys to for recording. Celebrate. Thank you all for watching, listening. We'll talk to you next week, if not sooner. You've been listening to State of My Sports. From the Red Wings to the Lions to the Tigers to the Pistons to Michigan and Michigan State and everything in between, we're talking about it. And don't forget the beer. We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. In the meantime, hook up with us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch at State of My Sports with an M-I. We'll see you next time.